Welcome to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? What's happening? What's new? What's going on? Uh, it's been... Well, I mean, you guys wouldn't have noticed that I've been so busy because Liam has been doing a pretty pretty damn good job getting episodes out every week, even though it's been about, what, like two weeks now that we've been working on? T- I've been like doing post-production on this new project for two weeks. Yeah, roughly yeah. about that. Roughly about that. So... Uh, to catch you guys up, um, we're going to do a little longer intro because it's been a while since I've actually sat and talked with you guys for a little bit. So to catch you guys up, a bunch of different things going on. I don't know when this episode is going to drop. I don't know if this is going to be the one that drops next week. It might be the one that drops next week. Um, but uh, if it is, uh, then tomorrow, is tomorrow Wednesday? No, Wednesday this week, the new project drops online. It was a super cool project, um, super secret project uh, until we released it. But it was essentially, I got hired as a director. I got to direct the new Zarface video. For those of you who don't know, Zarface is a hip-hop group uh, with uh, members uh, Esoteric, uh, DJ7L, and the man from Wu-Tang, Inspector Deck. And if you go to my website, you go to MikePetchy.com, you can go through... Uh, some of my old music videos, and you'll see that I've worked with these guys in the past. I worked with these guys probably, I don't know, at least six, seven years ago. I don't know, time travel, man. So I worked with these guys a long time ago, and I've been friends with them ever since. And if you go through our prior episodes of the show, you'll see that I've had George, who is DJ7L, on the show. There's a, in the musician session, in the musician section, let me try to make my fucking mouth work. In the musician sec- section, <laughs> of uh, in love with the process.com you can actually find the episode with George we actually talk about music he actually runs a really cool vinyl shop in Boston has like a ton of really cool scores from the 70s and 80s um, but uh, I haven't worked with these guys as a director for years and the situation presented itself when uh, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts um, and uh, these guys obviously don't need a plug for me but I was listening to your mom's house, Tom Segura and uh, Christina P's podcast, and I noticed that Segura was wearing a Zarface sweatshirt. And so I texted over to George and I said, do you know that uh, Tom is wearing shit? And he was like, yeah, man. And uh, I just wrote him text, simple text that said music video. And uh, the rest is history. So after that, we actually got Tom, we got Christina, I got to go to your mom's house podcast set. And take over their set for the afternoon and uh, direct all these uh, really talented people on uh, that stage. And uh, we were able to create this sort of David Lynch-inspired fever dream. Uh, So it's a lot of fucking fun. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, Cruder came out for it. um, And uh, everybody got to work on it. Liam, you got to be on the set, right? Yes, I was there. How was the set? No, it was fucking cool. It was. uh, I was really surprised at how like how much production value went into it. What do you mean? Like like their set. And oh, then, their set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, their set was cool. And then also the fact that, and then on, on the reverse side, how much could get taken out of what we brought with us? Because yeah. it was, I mean, it was skeleton crew. Yeah, and I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to talk to uh, Seamus, uh, who is esoteric, and George, and see if I can get them on the show. Uh, and then we'll talk about how we put the music video together. And I'm also going to be putting up some behind the scenes stuff on my website at 
uh, it's mikepetchy.com or you can be checking my out my Instagram page at mikepetchy. Uh, there I'm going to be posting stuff all week. And uh, if you, I mean, once this episode comes out, I will have been posting all this shit for a week. So I'm sure you guys have seen it. If not, like I said, always go and visit at Mike Petchy at Instagram, or you can visit In Love With The Process pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. And uh, there you'll be able to see a bunch of the cool stuff that we have been doing. Um, this is one of three projects that I'm currently doing and trying to sneak in between recording uh, episodes of this podcast. And I'm not going to jinx anything, but also working with uh, some of the movie stuff, one of the movies that I have in development is uh, close. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's close. So uh, super really fun, exciting couple of weeks. Very busy. Uh, it's crazy because I have, you know, between the move and between getting out here and then doing the networking and starting things over, um, it was kind of quiet besides the podcast. And the po- podcast keeps us fucking busy all the time. Hold on, I'm going to burp like a rude... Oh, there it is. Okay, good. Got it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was quiet as, as far as directing is concerned for a few months, actually. Um, and then it was interesting sort of jumping back into it on these multiple jobs. And it's, it's I don't know if you guys that have done stuff before, if you guys, the, the, those of you that are directors and want to be directors, uh, there's this thing called shaking off the rust. And it, it totally makes sense because a lot of the stuff that you remember uh, you forget. <laughs> you totally forget while you're shooting a lot of the stuff that you've retained from your past uh, jobs. Uh, I found myself making a lot of the same mistakes that I haven't made in years and uh, was sort of looking at myself going, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? Don't you remember how to do this? Oh, right, 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 right. And so I had to give myself a little break and be like, oh, it's, I got to shake off the rust. And that's what this is about. Um, but even that being said, uh, everything came out really fucking cool. Uh, and it was nice. It was nice to actually have the job that I got to shake the rust off with a, such a great group of friends and a really good group of people. And um, Tom and Christina are fucking awesome. You know, those of you who are listening to the show uh, and that listen to their show, the rumors are true. They are good people in real life, which is really cool. I actually said that to Tom. I hope he doesn't think I'm a fucking dick for doing so. But I said it to him while we were standing and waiting for one of the uh, takes to happen. And I was like, it's nice to know that you're not a dick in real life. Uh, And he was like, yeah, man. I was like, cool. All right. So he's cool. Um, So yeah, uh, we'll do a whole episode on that. It'll be uh, fun to do. Um, But that's not today. Today's episode is a a great one. I know a lot of you listeners are a big fan are big fans of today's guest. I know that Liam is a big fan of today's guest. You're excited about today's episode, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, I absolutely am. This yeah. was a, a, yeah, I'm a big fan. Mm. So um, I want to sort of put today's episode into this box, okay? So one of the things that I think is important that we all do is we all need to look out for each other um, because there's a lot of, I don't want to say, there's a lot of different companies, there's a lot of different places out there that are preying on young filmmakers, on young professionals. There's a lot of different places out there that do that. Um, and uh, one of the things, actually, one of the things that I just encountered um, 
that I want to bring up, and I'm sure some of you guys may have heard about this. Some of you guys may know about this, but uh, I didn't. So I got this email recently um, that that uh, was sent to me from a a Doctor Brian. Of course, like the fucking name should be a fucking red flag, right? So it's Doctor Brian. Um, but the header on the whole thing was that uh, Annie Leibovitz was doing a photo shoot and she was looking for other photographers to come in and shoot supplemental material for this photo shoot. Now, this email was put together relatively right. It wasn't perfect. You know, there's a bunch of little red flags, what we got misspelling here and a misspelling there, but the content of the email was so incredibly specific to our job which was like, Jesus Christ, these guys are getting really fucking creative with their scams. Uh, and so they sent this email saying that Annie Leibovitz was doing a photo shoot and she was looking to have a bunch of younger photographers come in and I think they were going to just use some basic cameras and be a part of this thing. And they had real dates, they had real times set up for the thing. Um, and so I, you know, my first instinct when I see Dr. Brian as the name of the dude. I'm like, what are you a fucking doctor of? Doctor of scamming, apparently. That was my first red flag, but I had to ask. You know what I mean? Because I was curious at this point. Because it's so fucking specific. It's so specifically, like, it's it's tailored to attack us. Okay? Isn't that strange? Mm. So anyway, I wrote to him and I said, okay, what's the deal? Give me some more specifics. Uh, and here's what the email says. Okay, so the project is for commercial photographs. The project is aimed to be featured at a large collection of designer bag, shoes, apparels, accessories, and other items from various designers and manufacturers to be displayed as online media ad and electronic billboard nationwide. Billboard. It's like I said, little spelling errors that are fucking thrown away. Uh, our obligation as photographers in respect to this project is to capture subjects, models, uh, in a commercial quality, uh, in commercial quality photographs, enhance the subject's appearance with natural or artificial light. Light will be provided by the management. Generate some marketable commercial advertisement photographs to be featured on these items, where all models will pose with various items. Blah 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 blah. So it starts to sound very specific. You know, maybe this guy's just a bad speller. I know I am. Compensation: total money pay. Here we go again. The total money pay for a job is eight thousand dollars U.S. cash. Uh, tax deductible, and you will get $500 as your advance upfront booking, and the balance of the $7,500 will be paid immediately after the completion of the commercial photographs. And this $7,500 I'm sorry, the 7500 also covers for the right of Calvin Klein and Annie Leibovitz to use your taking commercial photographs uh, made from our own commercial interest. That means Calvin Klein and Annie Leibovitz are entitled to use these produce pictures for advertisement work or other commercial functions. So they start to use a lot of the right terminology in here. Like a lot of this stuff is stuff that I would get from a client or from someone that was looking for a bid. They're being really fucking clever about how to find you. You know what I mean? Uh, what are you smirking at over there, Liam? I'm, I'm waiting for the catch. <laughs> uh, we'll be responsible for your transportation studio and the digital camera that you'll be using to photograph 
two digital cameras will be mailed to your address before the trading date in order to store a manager. Uh, in addition, an advanced deposit upfront pay of $500 should be mailed to you to ensure your engagement on the upcoming commercial photographs. Uh, payment will be made through a U.S. certified check prior to day. However, you will not receive your paycheck of $500, but also an extra amount. What is this saying? Also extra amount to be used. I don't know, whatever. So the point is, the point is, and I, I went online and I looked for other people that were dealing with this. And I think only one other person posted a little video about it. And it was obvious that she was an influencer um, and really didn't have much experience doing photography stuff. So a lot of this stuff made sense to her and she was really kind of into it. But I think what they did is they sent her the $500, but then they overpaid her that amount. And then she had to like refund that amount using like Home Depot fucking gift certificates or something. It's that fucking scam. It's that scam that has existed in other markets for a while. And I, we've seen this scam before where it's just like, hey, you know, I'm going to buy. You know, where I saw it originally was on like eBay purchases. Someone was coming to me and they wanted to purchase one of the things I was selling last year. And like, I really want to buy this thing and I'll send you this amount. And then they're going to send over send an amount. And then you have to send back the the difference in, in gift certificates. And I don't know how they sell those gift certificates. I don't understand how that works. But the point of this whole thing is that this scam is like hyper-focused on our field and hyper-focused on our insecurities for work, right? And so like if you're in that position and you're not getting any gigs and suddenly you get a fucking email from uh, Annie Leibowitz's people and it seems too good to be true because it is. But it seems too good to be true, and then you have to go down that path because you're like, well, I mean, everything seems to make sense. Everything's lined up here to make sense. Um, look, if, if I had no idea about how this stuff really worked, I would be giving all my information and submitting all my stuff. Um, and I wanted to read it on the show just so that you guys know that there are people out there that are preying on your insecurities. There are people out there that are preying on your desperation for work and for cash. Be smart. Hmm. read these things through if you get an email randomly from somebody that seems too good to be true it probably is for me at first i was just like oh well maybe one of this is from one of the companies that is potentially repping me you know that fucking what was his name dr brian what's his email here's another dead giveaway dr brian at what is it dr brian and Leibowitz. 112 at gmail if there's a fucking gmail email attached to any of these things you gotta look out what's a smirk about there's a gmail attached to like this show's email <laughs> <laughs> it's very true we do have a gmail <laughs> but dude I'm telling you fucking crazy right what do you think about all that yeah like about a paragraph and a half in, I was like, oh, fuck, man, send that to me. And then the other part, that was sent to you? Straight, yeah, directly to me uh, through my my main email. I don't know how they got my main email, but it came in, came in that way. That's the other thing, too, is I was like, oh, okay, so this is probably, this could be semi-legit. Oh, I swear to God, the only thing that had that red flag going for me was his fucking name. Really? 
That was the only thing. And there was a couple spelling errors that were in there that I was like, okay, this seems a little weird. And I really wouldn't have been thinking about it other than his fucking Dr. Brian fucking name on the top. Uh, because otherwise I would have just been like, well, he, obviously he's typing this thing on his fucking phone. So there's a bunch of different spelling errors in here. It's crazy. And they're targeting young artists? They're target. Apparently they're targeting anybody that has anything to do with either photography or... Um, Influencers, because I think the girl—I can't remember her name or the link, so I apologize. But I think the girl that I found when I Google searched it, and I, I think I had to Google search like Annie Leibovitz photography job or some shit like that, and then uh, found her, and she was just an influencer. She was just like a, um, you know, like an Instagram. I've got my camera and I hang out in front of pink walls, and take pictures of people posing with donuts, that kind of person. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, but it also went out to us. So my point is just be aware of this. And I wanted to read it on the show and I wanted to make you guys aware of this on the show because I don't know if you have got this email yet, um, or if you're part of that thing and maybe I'm in this cycle because I was selling things for a while and maybe it's got something to do with eBay, eBay and all that shit. Fuck eBay. Get off that crap. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to read, I wanted to talk about that. And it also leads us into today's topic, today's show. Um, there, like I said, we've talked about this before on multiple podcasts. You know, gear is a tool. All this gear, all this equipment, these things are here to serve the idea. These things are here to serve the project. These things are here to serve the artist. Uh, and I'm a huge advocate of that. Um, but I also, you know, understand that gear is a big part of what we do. And uh, you need to have great gear in order to get good images. Uh, you're looking for machines that are faster and more efficient so that you can edit quicker and faster. Uh, my turnaround time on this music video was insane. I was literally running that system, my Puget system. We're going to be plugging my Puget system in there for fucking 48 hours straight, like hard running that thing. And uh, if you guys have seen the video, I had like 34 tracks of fucking video at one point. That I was running real hard on that system. So it was pretty intense. Uh, so you need to have your gear that can keep up with your ideas. And that's important. But um, very similar. A lot of these companies, there's, there's a lot of companies out there that are preying on our insecurities. That are preying on uh, the fact that we want to become um, filmmakers. We want to become photographers. And they know that there isn't a system in place to do it. They know that there aren't steps there to do it. And so it's very easy, very simple to convince you, the artist at home, that in order to become a pro, all you have to do is buy this piece of equipment, buy this camera, and this camera will get you on sets, buy this thing, and this will get you into that place. This will make your career. This will move you forward. Um, while they are helpful, and while gear is an important part of what it is that we do, it isn't the most important part of what we do. The most important part is being creative. The most important part is being genuine, right? And I wanted to get someone on the show that is genuine. And I wanted to get someone on the show that does work for one of the one of the companies, not one of these companies, one of the companies out there that makes gear and sells you gear. Um, but uh, talking with him and sitting here with him, I came to realize that uh, our guest today, Ted Sim, is one of the most genuine people that I've met. Uh, and I was very impressed the first time I saw him 
when I went to the Truth Behind LED seminar that Aperture put on um, with Quasar. We talked about that on a prior episode with Tim from Quasar. Um, and uh, getting Ted on the show and, and actually sitting there and talking to him, I was like, man, this guy's fucking really into supporting people. He's really into developing art. He's really into learning. And he's really into surrounding himself with creatives. Um, so it's a great episode. It's a fun episode. I think he uh, <laughs> he had a lot to get off his chest. He had a lot that he wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, but so did you. <laughs> well, Liam's got this look on his face. What do you think of this episode? Do you think it's a good one? I, I like this episode. It definitely wasn't what I was expecting. But then, like, I don't know, it took it took a turn from talking about lighting to talking about what the industry is as a whole and stuff. And those are always fun when you're part of the conversation. <laughs> I try not to get too too cynical. You know, I think the, the, the cynical line was running in the red on this one. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was probably a hard one. Yeah. But I think you guys are going to dig it. And I will say this. This is the only place, this is the only spot that you're going to hear uh, Ted talk honestly about this stuff i think i think this is like uh the one place that you actually get to hear uh the real ted talking about the real shit that goes on in his world so uh if you guys are a fan if you guys are a fan of aperture if you're a fan of indie mogul um you guys are gonna really dig this show so uh strap yourselves in and uh as always uh thank you for uh supporting the show thank you for being there and guys our numbers have been going nuts we've been really excited about the season right the uh porn star episode obviously turns out you guys do watch porn (laughs) that one did really well mike ambrose's episode has been killing it um and even uh oren's episode has been really has been doing really well as well as well has been doing really well as well. It's great. You can tell I haven't been on the mic in a few weeks. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. And if you guys are new to the show, maybe you guys have come over because you listen to Andy Mogul and you're like, what is this dark fucking show that Ted was on? What was this crazy fucking show that he's on? Welcome. And go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, I've curated all these different episodes because we're now at, we're at like, what, 71, 72 at this point? Yeah, we'll be right around that range when this comes out. Yeah, so I know that that can be daunting if you're a new listener and you show up and you're just like, fuck, are these all in sequence? Are these all in order? Is there continuity to this? Here's the deal. Go back, listen to episode one. That'll set everything up for you. Then you can go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and you could choose, you can cherry pick episodes by subject material so you can get into it. And I would say this, don't just be that asshole. That's like, hey, look, I'm just going to listen to directors and then I'm out of here. Like, dig deep, because there's a lot of shit that happens on each one of these shows that will surprise you. I promise you that. All right, so let's get started. I know it's been a long intro, but I don't give a fuck. You guys have to sit here and listen to me talk, so that's part of the deal. All right, so you know the deal. Grab those noise-canceling headphones. Uh, find a place that is calming and comfortable for you. As we start to unveil some truths in the industry Uh, and uh, sit back, throw on those noise-canceling headphones, sit back, relax, enjoy a brand new episode of The Local Process.
So, hey, Ted. Welcome to the show, man. What's going on, man? It's good to be here. I'm super excited to have you on. Uh, super awesome of you to get back to me really sure. quick, man. And uh, yeah. um, I'm just pumped. Dude, <laughs> that's all, that's right on, man. It's a good day in beautiful, sunny Glendale. By the way, we're based in Glendale, too. So come oh, over here. Fuck with yeah. Super easy, fuck dude. yeah. 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 Best, dude. dude, I never yeah. thought I never thought I'd live in Glendale. And uh, like I said, we just moved out here like five months ago. It still blows my mind. That's insane to me. Dude. And we did. It was a pretty intense move across country, kind of packing up all your shit, changing your life. Because I ran a production company back at home. I had a post-production company, had all that shit. Yeah. Had to pack all that up. Um, and then we did a whole podcast series on the drive across country, which is pretty wacky. And uh, moving across country, uh, most people don't know this, and I've said this on the show before, but fuck you guys, you have to listen again, uh, <laughs> is that um, uh, when you're moving to Los Angeles, Los Angeles has no set time when shit goes on the market, like houses go on the market. Yeah. Like back in Boston, it's a college town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like every there's fucking September. There's a time where things open up and it, you know there's going to be a bunch of vacancies and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Baltimore is the same one. Yeah, here it's just like you had no fucking idea. Yeah, fuck you. People are moving in and out all the time. (laughs) Sucks to suck. Find a place to live. Yeah, yeah. And if you're trying to do that months out, it's like I don't want to pay for rent in a spot that I'm not going to live in for two months, three months. And so uh, I had to... I love Glendale, man. You don't have to quantify Glendale. Dude, I just... Anyone listening that doesn't like Glendale, (laughs) let me tell you right now that if you don't like Glendale, the problem isn't with Glendale. The problem is with you. You are a terrible person. Because I don't care what neighborhood you're trying to compare Glendale to. It means you're either pretentious, you're either a douchebag, you're either rich, you're either all of these things that I don't like about you. But Glendale, Glendale is like the most down to earth, best, badass place ever. So I, I'm, I'm right on dude, the board. I, dude, I'm surprised. Like I said, I was surprised. Yeah. I love it being a dude that cooks. I barbecue all the time. Oh, There's yeah, any dude. kind of fucking butcher here that you could ever want. Dude, the food is good here. Oh. There's like all kinds of space to be able to do things. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, you got a bunch of old guys like to walk around in sandals with socks on. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of really crazy stuff. That well, happens. dude, that means you got it right on your first try. I mean, I feel like the natural move to Hollywood is... Uh, you, know, you move into Hollywood, you hate your life, and yeah. then you move into Liam's nodding at me. Oh, yeah, that's what Are I you did. in Hollywood right <laughs> that's, now? Yeah, this is what yeah. literally everybody does. They move to Hollywood, they hate their life, and then they move to another neighborhood that they think is going to be better, whether it's like West Hollywood or downtown. Right, right. Then it always ends up being expensive. And then they're like, why am I paying to be cool? I don't understand why am I spending money to be cool yeah. when I could just move to Glendale and be cool. Exactly. Everybody's yeah. going to come to you. Yeah. That was our big move. It, we, we were looking in, like, my girlfriend was like, let's go to Silver Lake. And I'm shopping through Silver Lake. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's like, what are we doing this for? Like, one strip of bars? Yeah. We'll just drive over here when and we want to have something. literally 10 minutes, and you're just you're paying to be cool. Yeah. I'm sorry. Someone yeah. needs to hear it out there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I needed to hear it. Someone needed to tell me that. Stop trying to be cool. I feel like that's the. If, if there was a movie about my life, that'd be the entire arc. This is me trying to realize that I don't need to be cool. <laughs> I think that's the end of the show. Good advice. Stop yeah. trying to be cool. <laughs> Wait, so I, I can't believe you moved out only five months ago, though. That's crazy to me because I've been hearing about the podcast, too. That's why yeah. I, was, I was. The podcast I was doing in Boston for quite some time. And then obviously moving out here, I get more access, get better people. Yeah. And, and I like this. Like, I like the one-on-one kind of hangout. Let's have beers. Let's be a part of it. 
Yeah, um, and we try to have like all the guests that come on the show. They're part of our friend group, and then we all are hanging out and going to screenings and all that oh, kind of dude. bullshit, man. So it's it's fun. It works out really good. Yeah, Glendale, dude, three theaters within walking distance of one place. In case anyone's <laughs> looking for an apartment. So um, yeah, I love it. How long have you been out here? In so I've been out here for let's see. I went to UCLA, I did film school out here for a little bit, uh, but originally I went to school out in Maryland, or was it from Baltimore? <sighs> I guess it's been eight years now, so I went to school over in Maryland, went to school out here. Um, yeah, eight years. It's kind of crazy to think about already. It flies by fast, man. It's great, dude. It's five months. I feel like it's just been three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so you went to school for films, Chet, right? Yeah, absolutely. So originally, uh, I studied out in Baltimore, I did University of Maryland, and then Came out here, did film shit at UCLA. Um, yeah, I mean, I get a lot of mixed emotions about film school. I'm sure you've talked about this already. We don't have to get into that. But uh, did that whole burn, figured out what was going on over there. I worked a little bit as an owner-operator and kind of a small-time commercial director for a bit. Yep. And then after that, uh, got involved with Aperture, which became a whole rodeo of its own. Mm-hmm. And uh, started what became where I'm sitting right now and doing so. How'd you initially get in st- started with Aperture? How, yeah. how did that work out? Man, uh, I tell this story and people tell me it's like some weird, like Cronenberg shit or something. <laughs> well, I'm completely fascinated. It was. It's just kind of one of those. Uh, you know, sometimes life just hits you with with random circumstances or chances, and you just you just have to take them. I so I was working as an owner operator for a while. Mm-hmm. I used to manage uh, one of the biggest. Kind of, you know, the MCNs out there, like the big YouTube channels and all that stuff. Anyways, I was kind of begrudgingly doing this work, managing like uh, one of the big channels out there. Uh, I don't want to say what name it is because I don't want that, that shit to come back at me. But anyways, <laughs> I was doing that work for a while. And uh-huh. uh, one of the directors that I was working with got reached out to through his wife. Um, his wife is this Chinese lady who uh, his uh, kind of cousin's cousin was this guy that had a gear company and was trying to get it started. Basically, it was doing pretty well in Asia, but nobody had really seen anybody else. Uh, long story short is that he got offered this this gig. Um, I basically, let me say this. So basically, I was doing a lot of work for this guy. Uh, and at one point, he asked me, like, hey, like, I, I really need some help with just, like, a personal project I'm working on. Do you mm-hmm. think you can help out in day play for the day? Could you shoot? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Not a problem. I'll come out and shoot for you guys for a little bit. Uh, no big deal. I do the job, and at the end of it, um, the entire time, he's just, like, apologizing, being like, I'm so sorry. Like, I never said that I would ask people to do things for free unless I paid them back. Like, I'm going to find a way to pay you back. I'm going to find a way to pay you back. And I'm like, all right, sure. I don't care. You know, I did this. I did this as a favor and I work with you all the time. It's not a big deal, dude. Sure, sure, sure. Anyways, the guy ends up leaving uh, the company, but I don't see him for another six, seven months until one day I'm returning some gear. I'm returning a kit of lenses to a friend's house and uh, he's there. He is sitting on the couch, just just like this right here, sitting on the couch. Mm -hmm. And I walk in, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And uh, the guy looks at me and all of a sudden says, Ted, I never paid you back. You did that free thing and I never paid you back. And I was like, it's, I don't care. It's not a big deal. I told you I didn't care at the time. He goes, no, 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 um, 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 hmm. uh, hey, do you want a job? And I'm like, no, it's like 11, you know, like there's like, I see beers on the table. I'm like. I'm just here to drop off some yeah. lenses, dude. Probably what not. Kind of jo- what kind of job is this? This is going to be a horrible yeah. job, right? Yeah. I'm going to say no to this off the bat. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I say no, but he's like, no, no, no. I think this thing will be like really good for you. You know, like I want you to check it out, and I think it'd be interesting for you. So, uh, 
he puts me in touch with this guy and immediately I'm like, I don't really want to say yes to this, but wintertime was rolling around and this yeah. is when everything slows down. Yep. Uh, I wasn't super happy with the work over at the MCN too. Um, so I say, fuck, I don't take this job. Why not take the job. We'll take an interview. Mm-hmm. I drive all the way out 35 miles east of LA mm-hmm. and I meet, uh, I go to a warehouse that's just a totally empty office and warehouse. We're in the middle. There's literally like a hanging light, a chair, <laughs> and a guy sitting there. <laughs> And immediately I'm like, this, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, I got to get out of here. This is not a good situation. But I take a seat and finally I'm like, you know what? Uh, F it. Like, I'll, I'll talk for a little bit. I'm going to be polite and then I'll, I'll leave. Okay. And we talk for a little bit and he starts telling me about, um, you know, kind of what he wants to do. And he's like, I have this gear company and like, I have this idea. And, uh, you know, this is back in 2013. And he's like, you know, uh, the DSLR boom had just happened 2018, 20, 2008, 2009. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, he was like, you know, I have this feeling that uh, accessories and like that filmmaking as we know it is going to be a thing that everybody's going to have to do, not just kind of one small subsect of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to this and this is something that I, you know, I really agree with. And I'm like, yeah, I guess we end up hitting it off. We end up talking. It becomes this like three hour long conversation where uh, at one point I'm like pulling out gear because he asked me to bring some of the gear that I was using at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of a gearhead, right? Like I, I nerd out about this stuff. So there was stuff that I was like really proud of that I had bought. Um, and I, I don't know if you owned these two, but like, I think now enough time has passed. So I'm just going to say that. I like how embarrassed you are for you. <laughs> no, okay. no, no, here's the reason. The reason is because uh, I was totally wrong, right? Like I had brought all this gear that I thought was like a great deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say it right now. Do you like the old shoulder rigs and stuff like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, you know. I dropped a solid like sixteen hundred yeah. on one of those. Old, they used yeah. to cost that much, dude. A lot. We we used to be sponsored by one of them years ago. Yeah. And they're just like, and those fucking things are so goddamn heavy. They used to be like tanks, dude. And then you're just throwing like a lightweight, like dude. as a cinematographer, I'd just be like, what the fuck is all of this for? Yes, like, yeah. And they would, uh, and then you'd put this like tiny little because it was the DSLR boom. So you put this <laughs> tiny little dinky camera on this shoulder rig. And uh, again, I don't want to say names and brands and stuff like that, but I felt so good. I was like, this is the cheapest one on the market. 1600 bucks. Dude, it's, it's insane. It's so affordable, man. Like, you've never seen anything that's affordable. <laughs> and I'm so proud, and I'm like showing him this thing, and like he looks at it, and he's like, like can I just break the costs down of like what something like that actually costs? <sighs> and he's like, you got to look at that as, you got like two bike handles here mm-hmm. on some PVC pipe. Mm-hmm. Like, guaranteed materials cost of this thing is like no more than what? 25 bucks tops. Yeah. You sell it through some dealer or something. Like someone is is fleecing you right now. Someone's someone's taking your money. And uh we ended up kind of talking and I looked at the gear and I was like, the gear's not bad. I don't really know why this isn't selling. This should be doing better. So I was like, you know what? Uh it's winter. Fuck it. I'll I'll take the job. Let's do this. We'll see what happens. Cool. So in the beginning I start working on the company and uh a couple months pass and uh you know, in the beginning, it was just kind of an empty white office, and it mm-hmm. was just me sitting there. And the guy left the keys, and four days later, it was gone. And it was just me sitting in an empty office with this gear company that like nobody had ever heard of. That I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Probably wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, let's make a Facebook page. Let's make <laughs> yeah, an yeah. Instagram. Page. I don't even know if Instagram was popular back then. It was probably like a, a Facebook, a Twitter, I mean a YouTube channel. I was like, all right, like sure, right. That's how you that start. Happens. Yeah, that's where you start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, um, and you can probably go back into Reddit and find these posts. I posted in like our business and like our marketing, and I was like, hey, I'm this guy. I have no business school experience whatsoever, <laughs> but I want to start this thing. And like, how do I promote this? And how do I make this work? 
And there's like comments of people being like, oh, you know, like you should reach out to people that are like doing things and working with stuff. And, uh, you know, like this is pre the influencer era. So they're like, you should yeah. reach out to people that are like making content online about filmmaking, which at the time wasn't a popular thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, started working on kind of a zero dollar marketing budget, reached out to a bunch of people and uh, nothing happened. <laughs> and I made a Facebook page and you make some posts and nothing happened. Right. Mm hmm. Until um, NAB rolls around and I actually put in a notice to quit. And I say like, hey, you know, like spring, summer's coming around again. Uh, this was fun while it lasted. But, uh, you know, I'm going to get back to work. You know, production season comes in. I'll pick up some jobs. Not a big deal. Uh, thank you so much for the time. I'll see you later. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, like uh, there hasn't really been a lot of movement. Fine. Sure. All right. Well, like, we'll see you later. It sucks that nothing happened. But, you know, nothing was really moving anyways. We'll see you later. Okay. Go to NAB and... Uh, Everything, it's, it feels like a weird fever dream now, but uh, what ends up happening is that the entire internet ends up showing up to our tiny 10 by 10 booth in like the back corner of NAB. And for people that don't know what NAB is, it's, uh, you know what NAB is? Yeah, of course. course. Yeah, National yeah. Association of Broadcasters. It's like the big broadcast convention out there. It's the big nerd convention. That's it's the biggest nerd convention. So many. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if you saw like an RC Cars convention, but you replaced <laughs> RC Cars with like shoulder grips and shit. Same kind of That's, people. It's the same person. <laughs> yeah. It's just the it's just a different thing that we're all nerding out about. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. Um... So the whole internet showed up to your booth? Why? This is before anyone took online creators, uh, any kind of online presence as like online. Even like the idea of like an online resume and stuff like that wasn't super popular at the time. Yeah, right. Um, everyone ends up showing up. So probably every big major like video creator, every major kind of film influencer person shows up. Uh, and this weird effect happens where because all these people are showing up that are recognizable faces in the online community, because in the beginning it was like, you know, like Bell Bloom, Vincent mm -hmm. Ray, Shane Hellbutt and stuff like that. Everyone shows up at our booth because they're there. More people end up showing up. And at one point, the booth is so packed that I think like Shaq walks by at some point. <laughs> and just Sha Shaq is looking at the lights and all of a sudden I'm doing I'm like, yeah, like, check this out. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, um. <laughs> I've got this DJ channel that I'm doing and like this light might be worthwhile for it. And um, I'd already put in my notice to quit. And actually I'd said NAB was going to be my last day. So I was already like mentally checked out. And like in the meanwhile, all of a sudden we're like super overblown. We can't handle the amount of traffic that's coming in. On the last day, we got asked to sit down with, uh, I'm not going to say the major company name, but it's probably one of the biggest conglomerates of like camera gear companies out there. Mm -hmm. And they sit down and they're like, hey, we'd like to talk like about a serious offer to kind of buy out the company. Oh, wow. And all three of us kind of go get a drink. And at the time, it's it's the guy, our, our CTO. And then our CTO is uh, kind of one of the head color scientists from Fuji. Mm -hmm. Comes over and uh, it's me. And the three of us sit down and we go get a drink. And it's very much a, uh, well, what, what are you guys going to do? Is the question I was going to ask. You know, I'm leaving. What are you guys going to do? And their question was, are you still leaving? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, I ended up obviously not leaving. Mm -hmm. um, since then, it's been a solid, like, why did I say I was here for eight years? Because I've been a part of Aperture for eight years, seven years now. Whatever. Anyways. Time travel. It's been man. a really long time. Yeah, time travel. Yeah, man. it's been kind of growing the company and, and making it what it is today. But, uh, yeah, that's... That's me in a nutshell. 
Had you uh, what? So when you first started, you were you in front of the camera when you first started? When did you start getting in front of the camera? That's funny. Why do you know about this? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you know about this? You're a working director here. Where you should be, you should be making things, not watching videos with some dude talking at the camera. I know these things, man. I know shit. <laughs> okay. Um, the kids tell me stuff. That's oh yeah, absolutely. Get. They let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Why did you decide to get in front of the camera? I, I didn't want to, honestly. It's the easy answer for that. Because uh, you definitely have an on-camera personality. For sure. Thanks, man. Was it always that way or in the beginning were you just freaking yeah. the fuck out? No, I think... All right, so like year two comes around, right? Here we go. Going along in the timeline. Here's, here it is. So year two comes around and, uh, you know, we had reached out to a bunch of people and I'm like, well, why don't we just, uh, you know, we'll try making a couple videos here. Sure. And uh, we used to hire actors every single time to come and do the commercials for the videos. They would kind of explain what the products did. Uh, so if you go back in the timeline, you'll go way far back. You'll see like a different person in every video mm-hmm. introducing it. Hey, what's going on? I'm this person. I'm very clearly an actor, but let me talk to you about technical things. Sure. Yeah. And uh, one day I remember the guy, we had this actor and we were just trying to talk about like monitor inputs and the line was so <laughs> simple. It was uh, YPBPR. Yeah. The monitor has HDMI and YPBPR. And the actor just could not remember YPBPR. Um to the point that I think we did like 20 takes and I'm sitting there and at one point I just stop and I say like, hey man, like we'll pay you just, you know, we'll pay you just go home for the day. Yeah. And I went out there and I, I took the shirt off of him, put it on and I stood in front of the camera and I was like, hey, what's going on? My name is Ted from Aperture. Today I'm going to break down this thing. It's got YPBPR. And we started off with that. Um, it was never intentional, never anything I really wanted to do in the first place. I tried like six or seven actors before I just started talking and. Um, at a certain point, I don't know, man. I will, I will say that the Aperture community from like a very early point in time was a community that was really supporting. Um, I think the first time that we started making videos or doing educational content and things like that. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I just good people supporting us since day one. And just kind of wanting and asking for more and saying, just keep doing what you do. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's fascinating how, because uh, I've talked about it with other creatives it's a it's an inter, it's interesting how the industry's kind of shifted now with the internet mm-hmm. doing what it's doing and with all of sort of like this online education which is like a big thing these days because there was a period of time you know I'm 41 at this point so there's a period of time when I was starting where people would keep everything secret where mm-hmm. it's just like I'm not going to tell you what lenses I'm using I'm not going to tell you what my camera settings are and there's, there's a, a whole philosophy out there where it's uh at least with an older generation where it's like if I tell them these things, then they can just fucking do it. Then they can take the thing and they can get the jobs. And then there was this really fascinating sort of shift that, I don't know, like over the past at least seven years where like that shift has happened, where now people are openly sharing and openly talking about this stuff. And sometimes I feel like, and you, you know, you working for a manufacturer, sometimes I feel like it's, Manufacturers that need to come up with content in order to get people to get eyes on their products. Dude, I hate I hate this industry so much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Like that's a big part of it. Where it's like, hey, look, we need to do this stuff to get you to look at our shit. Totally get that. I get hired to do that as a director sure. all the time. You're talking about like like product commercials, like product commercials about, about the products and stuff. Like yeah, that. and it's sometimes yeah. it's just to drive traffic to that. And then there are uh, there's this whole community of filmmakers. I do the same thing. I mean, hence this fucking show where I need to drive interest in who I am. So I start to create content that's really interesting. Dude, I think if you're a business or if you're any kind of freelancer, especially if you're any kind of creative 
worker or employee, whether you run your own business or whether you work for someone else, Mm -hmm. um, dude, you are the product and you need to market your own product. It's just such a wild thing that it's come around to being that 100% these days. Like yeah. 100 fucking percent. Yeah. I was talking to um, the chef that we just had on our show, Brian. We had a really great chef on. And yeah. he was talking to us. I think it was off air. And I, I think I could talk about this on air. He was talking about it off air. And he was saying that uh, he was trying to get a book published. He was trying to do a cookbook. And the publishers literally, were, literally went on and checked his Instagram. Dude. And dude. they went like... Um, we're not going to do it. You need more numbers on your Instagram. Dude, I had a so so pre aperture. I had a I had a pitch meeting at Warner Brothers uh, for basically a digital show that they were doing for their. And now it's already exists. But they have some streaming digital thing that flopped and failed. Or I, I don't really know. Anyways, point being is that I went in there exact same thing. They I literally after the meeting, the the lady pulled me aside and said, "Hey, just so you know, um, we loved what you did, but uh, at the end of the day, it just came down to followers." It's crazy. That's crazy. And That's... then you become your own PR person. And you be, yeah. you have to become that PR person because now... It's what actors do now. Actors now have to make this whole business where they give away all this content about their lives for free and try to entice you into paying attention to just knowing who they are. Dude, so they, they hire whole video teams and yeah, video crews absolutely. that follow them around. I'll tell you right now, if anyone out there that feels discouraged for trying to do social media by themselves, you are absolutely... Right, and you should feel okay feeling discouraged because people hire full fucking teams. Yeah, and I say this as someone that has a team of people that are amazing. And let me say right now, if anyone likes any of the content that we do or any of the content that I do, it's because it's not me really. It's a team, and we have a group of us working together. That yes, you know, you know, I brought them on, or they're team members that work for us. But seriously, if you're a lone creator out there trying to do your own social media, it's a nightmare, dude. It's a nightmare. You're, it's like an ocean and you're just like with a fucking flare on a fucking life raft out yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. it's just like, how do I do this and be creative at the same time? How am I developing my skills and also being my own PR person? And it's it's a fucking nightmare. It's like everybody now has to. I hate talking about this because it, it so quickly becomes a negative spiral, right? <laughs> it's like, not negative. It's, it's no, a, but it's so easy to be like, <laughs> like for instance, like, here, I'm gonna, let, me, let me say the line. that uh, I, I, I don't even know what the line is right now, but I'm going to say the line right now that make, pulls the conversation in that direction is it's. Yeah, nowadays, everybody has to be an influencer. Oh. <laughs> and then everybody wants to shoot themselves yeah. in the face. And it's like, <laughs> I hate this. And, and, and the, the, the problem, I think the reason why people hate that so much is because unfortunately, it's true. Yeah, it totally is. I don't care if you're it a totally chef. Is. You have to, you got to make this content now. If you're everybody. an author, if you're a fucking, the, the fucking plumber down the street is telling me to, to leave a review and like his Instagram <laughs> posts. If you're a plumber. Why does the plumber need an Instagram? Dude, it's crazy, man. It's 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 nuts. And I, I, there's something really interesting. I think if you embrace it the right way, it doesn't has necessarily have to be negative. No. I think if you embrace it the right way and you're creative about it and you're at least still, depending on what you're doing, like from a director's perspective, it's like as long as I'm still telling stories, as long as I'm still getting uh, human connection. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's about... Figuring people out and learning things and doing that kind of stuff. So it's still beneficial, but you can easily get lost in it at the same token. And then it's all about numbers. It's all about followers. It's all about that traffic. And then, you know, you're playing that game. With casting, like we're we're in the process of trying to cast two movies right now. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I'm a first time director, you know, you know, whatever that means, whatever, whatever that means. So then they send me a list of, of talent and they're like, this is who these are who are are valuable. And I'm just like, who the fuck are these people? 
You know, and it's like, oh, well, this so-and-so had a really great stint on, like, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and they had 100 million fucking views on him trying to eat eggs. And that's the way that and that's the value. how and I'm, valuable this person Yeah, is. and I'm like, well, I got to be in the on set with this guy for three weeks, and I can't stand looking at his face. And if I don't like looking at his face, then the audience is going to like looking at his face. Like, I have to like looking at his face first. Oh, wait, because he eats eggs weird on Jimmy yeah. Fallon? Now he can bring money to my project? It's fucking batshit backwards. It's really kind of nuts. But I don't want to be negative about it. <laughs> <laughs> Says the most negative, horrible anecdote in the world. Dude, I, I hate I, I, the, the joke that I always make with people... Uh, <laughs> do you come to NAB? You should really come to NAB. I've been, yeah, I, I went out for a couple of sponsors. I would go out and do some Dude, you know, you've got to come out this this upcoming year. Because for anyone that doesn't know, NAB now is becoming this place where everyone that, you know, runs a podcast about filmmaking or anything like that, they all come meet there now. Oh, no shit. It, dude, it's the best thing in the world now. And part of the reason why it's the best thing in the world now is because I make the joke all the time that if you point at someone that's on screen, like it's like really excitedly, like, that person is unhappy. <laughs> like that person is like probably doing like like I think I went to Sundance once and I saw like Sundance had hired a bunch of influencers to like promote Sundance, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> they uh, they pulled out. There was this girl that I remember. I was sitting there. I was waiting for the panel to start. Right, mm-hmm. sitting there in the back, and this girl's sitting at the front. She's sitting on the stage and she's laying back on her back. On the stage, and she holds up her phone, and she leans up and goes, "Hey, this is Michelle. It's on this stop." And then she goes, lays down again. <laughs> hey, this is Michelle. It's on. and literally, there's like probably like twenty of us in the audience just watching her lay back down, stand up, lay back down, stand up. And then about through like the fourth or fifth time, she stops and goes, stops the recording and goes. <laughs> it's like the noise when you're like swiping on Tinder and yeah. like you don't get a match for like 50 swipes and you just go <sighs> <laughs> and like that's that's where I like really get respect for people that are like constantly doing it because it's not always fun and it's not to say like people are always not fake or, or, or that's not to say people are always fake or not being genuine you know it, it's just hard work it is know? dude it takes a lot of time and people don't think about like if you were doing a if you were watching Seinfeld, right, yeah. every fucking week, and they wouldn't do it the whole year. They mm. would just pick a period of time. How long did that fucking take them to just do an episode dude, per I, week? I can't imagine. Seriously, dude. Like, those guys waking up every day being like, I'm this character again. Yeah, I, but, but I mean, the, the influencers work harder than that. I know. Because they're doing it every fucking yeah. day. Yeah. I, I, for anyone out there that thinks that doing, we talked about this before we started recording too. Anyone that thinks that doing a weekly anything in terms of content. <laughs> yeah. I, I wash my clothes once a week. Yeah. I make my bed every day. I brush my teeth <laughs> twice a day. This is going to be easy. Yeah. No easy peasy, man. Easy peasy. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then it's like, am I just doing this? Is that all this is? You know, we try to, QR shit. How many episodes are we out right now? Like five, six? Yeah, I think five. Yeah, we try to queue our shit up so I can kind of disappear for a yeah, few weeks. Because absolutely. Otherwise, you're just trapped underneath the, the, the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that becomes your life to some extent. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think uh, you just got to find a way of doing it that's genuine and honest for yourself. Yeah. Right? So, like, so we, we started, we started, we restarted Indie Mogul recently, and that was a great thing that we started doing. And 
Uh, Mogul as a channel for us was, it was just that. It was, it was hey, I really, because I was doing lighting tutorials for like five, six years. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, like when you're doing weekly content about lighting tutorials, <laughs> I really like lighting too. I love lighting. Like man. I really like it. You yeah, know, yeah. like I can sit down and I'll do lighting breakdowns all day. It's so fun for me, right? Sure, sure. But when you do it every week for yeah. like five years. No. Dude, it's it's really hard to keep it up, and uh, it's just you start doing the same topics over again, and you're like, I, I I can't do this. So, part of the mogul thing for me was is just you know, wouldn't it be? I I, st- I still love filmmaking, and I just want to be able to talk about filmmaking in all different capacities. Mm-hmm. This would be for me a little bit more genuine than a little bit of what I was doing before, right? And I that think makes it's sense. finding a way that you can be yourself and be real in front of camera. And, or whatever type of content you do. Because you know? at the end of the day, you have to... I mean, the theory is, is we're doing this stuff because it's a fun job. And yeah. it still has to be fun. And you yeah. have to find that, that that fun thing. And sometimes when you set out and you start something that you that you think will be the long thing that you do is something that's fun. You you look at it after doing it for a while and you go, well, maybe we just pivot. And I think in that pivot is where you find something exciting again. Because you're right. It, you'll get burnt out. And as an audience, we'll, we'll know. We'll know instantly. Uh, instantly. And then yeah. you know that we'll know instantly. So then it's like, well, what the fuck am I doing? All right. Well, like, dude, that's my, thing about, that's my thing about the product video stuff is like, there's this movement right now where brands are trying to be like, we're socially hip. Yeah. And like everybody wants to make like, a meme that secretly sells their product or something. Of course. Just, I I think I hate it because one, of course you have, you have to hate it. It's just, it's, it's inherently bad. It's an inherently annoying thing, right? Do I, do I have to explain that actually? No. If anyone needs an explanation about that and is listening to this, <laughs> I hate you. But, but the second the second reason, and I think this is the more important thing, if there's anyone out there that is some kind of brand strategist or like uh-huh. content director or something like that, or, or even someone that, that is getting paid to direct and shoot videos that sell someone's brand, right? Because like, that's a job that I know a lot of people get. It pays the bills, right? I've done that multiple times. I just did it this week. Great yeah. job, dude. Uh, we used to remember with cinegraphs, what, cinemagraphs, what are those? Yeah. those moving photo things. Mm-hmm. When those were popular, shot like 40 of those for Eddie's ice cream. I was like, sure, this is a gig I'm going to do. Here we yeah. go. Why not? It pays the bills. Sure. But for anyone out there doing that kind of stuff, I, let me just say, like, as a brand that's seen as being, you know, good at social media in our in our field, if you're doing something that the audience feels like is selling to you, the audience is going to know right away. People aren't stupid. Yeah. It's like what you said. People yeah. can tell when someone's burnt out. Yep. They can also tell when someone's trying to take your money. Yeah. And I'm so tired of seeing these commercials that are just like, I think uh, we're having like a violent, re- like as a, as, as, a, as humans, mm-hmm. we are having a violent reaction to commercials that try to sell you things, which is why they're right getting now, really fucking sneaky right now. They're getting really sneaky, really sneaky. Yes. And they're, they're not to interrupt you, but they're, they're also incorporating social commentary and social issues into their marketing and branding. What do you mean funny. by that? Okay. Well, shoot. shoot here, we go, here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Did so, I just open up a can of... Oh, yeah. It's dangerous territory. Okay. So, it's time. It's time to take a break. And uh, it's time for me to uh, start talking about the men and women that help make this show possible. Now, as we talk on this episode about... 
uh, sleazy business people. We talk on this episode about uh, businesses and companies sort of taking advantage of you. Uh, I have cherry picked these sponsors. I have cherry picked these folks uh, because I believe in what they do. Uh, I believe in their gear. I use their gear uh, and they're good people. Okay, so that's the first and foremost. You can you can rest assured that I've gone through the process of venting these folks so that uh, they're clean. They're clear. This house is clear. Uh, so let's do it. First up, the boys, my buddies at uh, Puget Systems. They're actually coming into town later this week. I'm actually doing a project with these guys. I cannot wait to hang out with the fellas. We're probably going to have some barbecue. We're probably going to have some beers. We're going to shoot some stuff. Uh, But I love those dudes. I have so much fun hanging out with them and uh, super excited to have them as a sponsor on the show. Long time support, long time sponsors of this show. I'm hoping that I can get my hands on one of their brand new systems because they're putting out a brand new case. They're putting out a brand new system this year. And I am helping them shoot their promotional material for it. I think I, I'm going to talk about it on the show. Whether or not I'm allowed to, we'll find out. But, excuse me, I burped again. I'm a fucking pig. Uh, <clears throat> but I think they're unveiling stuff in NAB. So I'm not going to get too specific, but I think they're unveiling stuff in NAB. And uh, whatever the materials that we shoot, I think will be there. So if you want to check out what it is that I've been working on with those cats, then uh, definitely go see them in NAB. If you're one of the nerds that go, one of the many nerds that are braving the coronavirus to go look at new computers and shit, uh, then yeah, go check out Puget Systems. But in the meantime, if you're a photographer, if you're a filmmaker, if you're looking for a brand new computer, uh, here's the cool thing. You don't need to just buy a Mac. You don't need to buy an Apple anymore. Uh, They cost a shitload of fucking money and most of the cash that you're spending goes towards that huge advertising budget and that unboxing experience, you can go to PC, right? Because Adobe works on both systems. At this point, you can use Premiere on both systems, you can use Photoshop on both systems. There is no difference. Uh, And the cool thing about building a PC is that you can customize it specifically. You can customize the hardware specifically for your needs, right? It isn't just choosing between one of three systems. You can be incredibly specific about what it is, how much money you're spending, and the competitors in the PC world Uh, Keep the prices affordable. Keep the prices down, which is really great too. Um, So if you want to build your own PC, if you want to build a new system, um, go to PugetSystems.com because not only are they selling you great systems, but they're also posting all of their benchmark tests. They're posting all of their articles on the stuff that they've done, what they found works, um, and it really helps you out if you're a PC builder on your own. But if you're just looking for a computer that shows up in a box that you can open up, set up, and have good to go, check out this stuff, man. And they sell their stuff based upon software. So if you're using Premiere, you can actually go click on Premiere, and they will they will uh, straight up hit you up with a baseline package. And then they want to talk to you. They want to hear what it is that you need. You can customize that system 100%. And these guys have real customer support, like a real fucking person. You just dealt with them, right? Yeah, yeah, I actually did. I uh, called them up because I was looking at getting something that could run. Because I'm, I'm working on a MacBook Pro right now, and uh, the idea of using Unreal on a MacBook Pro is... Oh, right, you're doing the Unreal stuff. Yeah, it's laughable. Um, so I called them up just to talk 
tech and uh, a guy named DJ picked up the phone. We had a really good conversation. He basically pointed me in the right direction and I was able to make a purchase, not through them. Cause I can't, I was not, uh, I was looking on eBay. Yeah. 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 But yeah, we, uh, they were super helpful. It was awesome. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Go check them out. Like I said, Liam was looking to build his own machine, looking to get something. And he was able to get advice from those guys and they didn't make a dime on that. So, uh, definitely go check them out. Go to pugisystems.com. Use the link underneath this episode because that's a trackable link. And then those guys will believe me when I say that people go and check them out. <laughs> so please use the link underneath. Anyway. All right. Next up, our friends over at Quasar Science, one of the coolest advancements in uh, uh, technology in cinema right now. And I think we talk about it on the show uh, is LED lighting. Um, LED lighting has been uh, such a, a wild, intense uh, thing lately. Um, and with these lights that run on less power, that have the ability to uh, shoot daylight, shoot tungsten, shoot RGB, uh, with certain restrictions, of course, um, you've seen the results of LED lighting when you watch Netflix, when you look at stuff on television, because uh, it all looks gorgeous right now, right? And it's affordable which is a big deal, especially for the TV stuff because the amount of money that they spend, it still blows my mind and I've talked about it in other episodes, but it blows my fucking mind how high the quality for a lot of these programs are. But it's like fucking 12 episodes, 10 episodes. And they're shooting that in a few months. It's like shooting 10 features. I've been watching, uh, I just finished watching um, The Outsider on uh, HBO. Have you seen The Outsider? No. It's really fucking great. Um, it's based on a Stephen King book and, uh, it's kind of like true detective meets Ozark. Uh, and it's, it's gorgeous. It's cool. absolutely gorgeous. Those are two things I also haven't seen. So that really narrows it down for well, me. Well, some of us, some of us that are on the show will actually watch things. Yeah. Some of us care about cinema, you know, mm. some of us watch stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so if you're looking to get your hands on some really great LED, LED technology, go to quasarscience.com. Uh, there you'll be able to check out their amazing tubes, their amazing fixtures. Uh, and if you're someone that's just looking to put together a kit, right, if you're a shooter right now, and you're like, what kind of lights should I get, Michael? And you call me Michael, and I tell you to go fuck yourself because only my mother calls me Michael. Uh, I would say go to Quasar and grab yourself a couple of tubes. Then get some other lights too. I'm not saying that you get all the tubes from there. You might want a few tungsten units. You want, you might want a couple of different options for your kit because each tool is different. It does different things, but Quasar makes some of the best. And for the price and for the size of them, you can fit them right in your hatchback. Uh, really great stuff for your kit. Not your tool kit, but your gear kit. Really good stuff for your gear kit. Uh, so, like I said, go to quasarscience.com and check them out. Okay, next up, our buddies over at Industry Jump. Industry Jump is a global community of verified filmmakers providing the next generation of filmmakers with the resources required to grow their business, learn new skills, and manage their careers. Go to industryjump.com and you can sign up for free and create a verified portfolio, search for film crew and to hire for your next project, and learn from top tier creators in the industry through live video mentoring. Isn't that cool? If Look, if you're looking for some like 
techie techie stuff that you're not getting from me on the show, head on over to industryjump.com uh, and uh, learn from some of the pros that are actually doing the jobs. Um, really cool dudes. That's industryjump.com. They have we have a little partnership going. They're advertising for us, and we're advertising for them. Connections. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Capitalism at its best. Right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That being said, you know, if you want to support the show, if you want to try to keep us running, there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There you can donate. There's a donate button if you want to just give us some cold hard cash. Um, but uh, I understand that we're all in this business and I understand money is tight. And so one of the best ways to get some loot to us uh, without costing you a cent is for, by signing up for the Audible trial, right? The free Audible trial through our website. Now, if you've done this for other podcasts, uh, you can't do this again. But if you haven't, you can go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. The link is below the episode. Click on that. There, sign up. Uh, you can get a 30-day free trial, which comes with a free audiobook. Gives you access to all their really great content. Um, and you're probably going to stick around because there's a lot to listen to. There's a lot of really good things to do. Besides listening to my podcast on Tuesdays every week. <laughs> These days, it's like two and a half hours, three hours long. But, you know, if you still got some time, you're probably going to want to listen to an audiobook. And if you're like us and you're out here in Los Angeles and you're sitting in fucking traffic all the time, this dude, I go through so many podcasts just driving from place to place out here. It's insane. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why podcasts are really hot right now. It's because of the fucking time that people spend in the car out here on the West Coast. It's probably why most of our listeners are from out here right now. I don't know. I mean, I was listening to a podcast on the way over here, so. Yeah, yeah. so you know what's up. Uh, so like I said, anyway, check it out. Go sign up. 30 days, free trial. And here's the deal. We get paid whether or not you stick around. So like if you decide that you don't want to keep the, the trial going, if you don't want to pay for it, cancel. Who gives a fuck? I'm sure that they're going to love that. Hear me say that on here, but that's the truth of it. That's how it works. So go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. Um, and as always... Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There's a bunch of stuff up there. A bunch of new stuff on the way. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. Um, let's get back into it. More with Ted Sim. I was reading about this recently. And I'm going to fuck this whole thing up as I, as I don't have all the facts in front of me. But I think it was for Nike. And it was, uh, what was the deal where everybody started to burn their sneakers because of something that was happening? What was this deal? It was, um, oh, shoot, it's the quarterback. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick yeah. star, uh, was the, uh, oh, yeah, this was exciting. Everybody started burning their, uh, the Nike gear because he was the face of the Nike brand. And it was basically like forge your own path, do your own thing. When everybody's saying, no, you do it anyways, just do it, Nike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then what happened was is they were burning their sneakers. They're doing this whole thing. And uh, and the people that were anti-Nike were like, well, we're, this is going to fuck up their sales. Nike released their numbers after that. And they actually did, what, twice as good, three times as good because of that. That's how it always happens. And so yeah. you're looking at this stuff and these companies are examining in this. And uh, I'll even go into this territory, too, where you start looking at stuff like... Uh, 
Ghostbusters, right? So when they did the all-female Ghostbusters, yeah. that came out. I can't prove any of this. And this is me being crazy. <laughs> first of all, you say it, say it first, and then yeah, I'll see if yeah, I'm following Yeah, okay. So I feel like a lot of that initial anger and angst that was out there about the fact that it was all women Ghostbusters yeah. was created by Dude, Sony. I... I'll tell you right now that uh, <laughs> you know, none of this you know for sure. No, this is all theory. None of this is all theory, but I do think that, I mean, look at the stock market too. Every time a company goes through some kind of social outrage, mm-hmm. their numbers always go higher than it was before. Every single time. It's like a thing that people say in Wall Street is like it's going to boom up after that. Controversy creates sales, which is like. It, there's like it's it kind of goes back to the all all press is good press, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've been in those rooms while being hired to be the person that sells these things, where these conversations happen. And I'm not going to be specific, but I've been in these environments where people are like, "Let's do this, 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 and this." And so then you have a whole young culture right now, a whole a bunch of young people that. Or how many generations in on marketing? Like, how many generations was I in on marketing? How many generations are you in on marketing? Like, yeah. like we pop out of our mom and there's a fucking logo probably on the gloves that are holding yeah. us for the first time. This is what I mean. We're having like a violent reaction right now. To, to all this. To all of this. Yeah. Which is why when something feels transparent and honest, oh my gosh, like everybody like flies. We suddenly go and stick to it. We're like, right. Like I, I think a lot of people... Remember when that Dollar Shave Club commercial was just like it? Like, I feel like everybody got pulled into it. If you're a filmmaker, you got pulled into a meeting where someone pointed at the Dollar Shave Club commercial and was like, hey, can we make that for $200 in your in your mom's DSLR? Yeah. Or on the higher end, hey, can we make this but shoot it with a red? And yeah. Everybody was pointing at that commercial. And they were pointing at it. And they were like, what made it successful is that it's a walk and talk. No. What no. made it successful is that it's funny. Yeah, maybe. What made it successful? I think what made it successful is just that it felt honest. Yeah. It felt real. Yep. It felt like, not I mean real as in like I literally think these things are happening, but I felt like I was watching some friends make like a quick, like a 24-hour short film or something, and they were like, we're just going to make this as our advertisement. Sure. No, totally. It's valid, man. It's valid because, yeah. I mean, we're looking at this stuff all the time, and we're like... I talk because Gina, my girlfriend's a photographer and she does all that stuff. And the photography business is rough right now. It's rugged. I can't even imagine. Like, I don't know how you make a living at it at this point because we're so inundated daily, hourly, minutes of like really great shit all the time for free. So you go through your phone and it's like, wow, that's amazing. It's amazing. So, like, yeah. purchasing for, like photographs, how many people do that? Like, yeah. that's disposable income shit, let alone having a client that's going to pay you the right kind of money for that thing because we're just so inundated with this, this sort of stuff. So it's just, I, I, I think that we're the same way with ads, we're the same way with filmmaking, we're the same way with this content because of the side effects. And I don't know how we got on this topic, but it's interesting. Because of the side effect of social media stuff, it has sort of changed how we process our entertainment, how we process our content, and we are struggling to find those things that Are sound real. different in the static of the, in that noise. It's like living near a highway and you just hear that constant traffic noise and it never really registers to you that you're actually hearing traffic on a highway. Yeah. You just hear this, this white noise that's in the background. 
Um, and it isn't until someone goes, hey, that's the fucking highway that people are like, oh, shit, that's a car. I'm hearing cars and stuff like that. But daily, you're just sort of in that space, just, and you just hear that. And I think that's what's going on with a lot of our media right now. That is what slick marketing looks like. We just get so much slick marketing all the yeah. time now that when something is remotely genuine, everyone's like, whoa, I love this yeah, thing. Where yeah. can I get more of that? I love this, everything about it. I, I And you know what you see? Sales go up in that way, too. And, like, that's the positive spin of it that I think. Yes, there's, like, slimy-suited fucks that, like, dude, I hate the gear industry, man. <laughs> I'm not, I'm I'm not going to be totally honest with you. I hate the gear industry because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I do, think... What, uh, dude, you don't have to get into a hole dude, that you don't want to. Yeah, the gear, the gear industry is, like... Let me, I'll tell you right now that, like, most people that, like... Like, gear industry people... They're either really smart or really evil <laughs> because yeah. on one hand, it's like, you know, when there's a gold rush, you know, like you invest in like picks and shovels, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the old adage. Mm-hmm. And that's what gear companies kind of do these days, right? Like everybody wants to make content now. So like, why not invest in picks and shovels, right? But like, dude, these like, I think the the kind of gung-ho mentality of like filmmakers, it it there's like a big valley, like a Grand Canyon between that and like... These people drive sports cars, man. And like, I just, I can't, I hate this industry sometimes so much, dude. It's the worst. Well, you know what it is, yeah. is that I feel like, and we talk about this on the show a lot. Yeah. Uh, I feel like um, a lot of these uh, slimy versions of that sure. are just preying on the desperation of filmmakers. Yeah. And I think that because we all grew up watching TV, because we're all raised by that shit, there's such a plethora, there's like a, a, a tidal wave of people trying to get into this industry. Yeah. In an industry that doesn't really have the positions before the tidal wave exists. It doesn't really have the opportunity for that amount of people. So all these people are sort of coming in and they're going, okay, what's the formula? What's the system? How do I make this work? What do I do? And that's what we talk about on the show all the time. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. I literally don't know. And what I do right now it's like we're all on like pieces of icebergs that are shifting. What I do that works right now for my movie and how I got picked up by this is not going to work for you tomorrow. Yeah. There's no system to this at yeah. all. And so you have a lot of these young folks that are getting into it that are like, do I go to film school? I don't want to go to film school because all the older guys are coming out and they're going, film school is fucking useless to me. Yeah. I've got not like I've got a fucking hundred thousand dollar fucking loan on my ass, and I'm on year four still going to PA, yeah. PAing for, 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 for fucking like, free. What the heck yeah. am I doing here? Yeah. How the fuck does that work? So how do how do I make these things happen? So then, at the end of the day, uh, they're just floating and they're looking, and the gear companies, dude, dude, motiv- it's, it's the motivational industry. I, I gave it a, I gave it a name some time ago because <laughs> I because I don't think there's there's another I don't know, I guess it's the higher end education or premium content industry uh-huh. whatever the hell it is uh, I'll say right now like a lot of those guys make more money doing motivational content than actual fucking films yeah you you want to make money and just go make and that's how I feel about gear companies is I feel like it's just so similar in terms of uh, you just making money off of starving artists which is so Fucked up, dude. Yeah. You're like a bicycle thief. Like, not only are you stealing a bike, but you're stealing it from a person that can't afford a car. Like, what are you? This is so fucked up, dude. And you're taking their dreams with it's it. It's not cool, dude. I hate it, dude. And uh, yeah, man, I think 
Like in the beginning of like, so like, you know, I've been doing the after stuff for a while. In the beginning, it was like so cute where like, I was like, oh, like we're just doing this thing. We're having fun. Yeah. But like now that Aperture's like really grown and become a thing, mm-hmm. we're getting asked to like sit at the table with all these like slimy fucks. That I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> I don't like any of these people. <laughs> what am I doing here? Dude, it's crazy, man. And, and I, this, it's no strange thing to the entertainment industry, period. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like, uh, you're talking about profiteering and racketeering. You're saying this, this is a uh, new thing. Come on. The, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, what's her name that won all the Grammys this year? Uh, Billie Eilish. Billie sure. Eilish. Yeah. yeah. Why do we idolize 18 year old musicians? Because if you're in the business, you have them longer, you can make the money off them longer. <laughs> It's always that game. This is me being super cynical about this. <laughs> this is cynicism and superstition. With yeah, yeah, like still 100%. I think there was an article out there from Trent Reznor. I think Trent Reznor had released I something Reznor, yeah, years ago. And he got hot when he was like in his 30s, I think, mid-30s. And he was just like, labels don't like to sign people over like their mid-20s. Because when you're younger, you're excited, you're more influenced. Yeah. You, you can really sort of be taken advantage of and you look at the big game that happens around entertainment and you see that you see the results of that kind of stuff and i won't get too far down into that crazy hole but i think that it's shifted from like taking advantage of like one specific personality Mm -hmm. and now it's sort of taking advantage of a large group of people that all want to do it because now we're all personalities in one way or another because of the social media shit that we do yeah and influences are now more influential and valuable than than your fucking you know bruce willis you know what i mean like they pull in bigger numbers so it's fascinating to see the money people going after the artists in one way or another and i love this too by the way this is gonna be part of the episode (laughs) i love it we got the (laughs) oh it's it's the the it's the lawnmower from down the street who's an influencer (laughs) Tap in on this. I just hope he's just out there revving it and taking like a selfie. Taking a video being like, what's up, guys? Joe the Lawnmower here. Just just mowing some lawns in Glendale today. The recently coolest called neighborhood as per local residents of Glendale. But look, okay, look, there's a cynical hole that I go down to. And, and, you know, a lot of the younger guys are like, okay, this is a fucking 40-year-old saying this shit. All I'm doing is just bringing up these crazy ideas. So that way you just sort of think about it when you're looking at this stuff. They're probably not true. There's a lot of stuff about it that there's a lot of really good people out there that are doing really good things and people that support artists, people that love the work. But just be aware. Be Be aware of marketing and be aware of how that stuff happens. Because there is a boardroom of people and they get really crafty with ideas. Yeah, dude. And they will find a way eventually to to kind of tap in there. And if you think it's like, no, that's so far-fetched. There's no way that's some marketing. They will do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally hear that. Yeah. On, on the flip side, like, again, just because I don't, I, again, I hate being cynical about it. It's so, it's so <laughs> you can, I can take that role. You can play the No, 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 no. First of all... <laughs> Wait, wait, what is this show called? It's called In Love, Love with the, the Process. <laughs> it's just clickbait to get you in. It's your show name, It's just to get you in there. Just to steal you in there and then complain about the process the whole time. Yeah. You know what, you know what I always, I, the joke I always make is, if you want to know what a person isn't, look at what the writing says on, on, their, on their desktop background. Like if their desktop background says something like, 
be strong in times of stress. <laughs> you know that person every time there's a stressful time. There's like a half-loaded so gun underneath the desk. <laughs> Just in case of emergencies, break yeah. me. It's like, those, you, like anytime you see an inspirational poster or someone that they put on their wall, oh, their okay. office, you know that that's the that they're feel that they're actually the opposite. Yeah, run. <laughs> yeah, and then the reason I, I say this is that I, I don't think it needs to be. I think all of this kind of blends in with like future fear and yeah. stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like all of this, for me at least, all of it is is that it, it's really it's like acting, right? It's really hard to be honest as an actor. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I am not a fucking actor. I don't know what the heck these people do. But but one of the things that, <laughs> one of the things that actors always say is like you know I it, it's it's hard to 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 feel real and honest to a person. Yeah, and I feel the exact same way about content or any of that stuff or marketing. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why nobody can do the Dollar Shave Club thing. And that's because it's really fucking hard to be honest. Yeah. And if you can do that in whatever your content is, or whether it's, again, whether it's a podcast or your designs, or whether it's your page or whatever videos you make online, that stuff will show up and feel real. And you mentioned Billie Eilish before, and I don't really follow a lot of this stuff either. I'm working, but yeah, but yeah. I, I feel like, again, this is from some... <laughs> idiot that doesn't tune into Billie Eilish but I feel like a lot of people resonate with her because I think she probably feels real to those people sure no and she is and she's very honest about it and I think that I think my statement on it was more the business behind it than anything else that will then sweep in and they'll take that and they'll take what is that innocent thing and then study and examine that innocent thing and try to put it through some sort of manufactured machine so that we can make 12 more of those fucking things and it's that's kind of what we deal with in this country period where it's like someone finds lightning in a bottle it's like uh quiet place quiet place comes out right you want to talk about honest and basic that fucking movie destroys and all it was was playing with audio that's all it was paranormal activity any of that stuff yep. yes absolutely. and so then they come out after that and they're just like stamp 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 and then we get exhausted from the whole process of it and then we're like fuck we just need something new again and it's like that's what we that's what we're living even with the gear and the fucking gear manufacturers Dude, i doing think it. it's the i think it's the best this is my positive spin on the whole thing too is i think i think it's the best thing ever because it means that you don't really need that much money anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't really need that much connections. And just if you if you can be honest, there's more ways to succeed than ever before. Yeah, and there's way, more ways for people to find you than ever before. And it just at the end of the day, I think the reason why people on the top hate it is because it means that every time they do something, it's got to be a fucking home run. Yeah, they actually have to make it good because now if it's not good. People have so many avenues and ways to access things that are actually good, and yeah. honest, and genuine. And yep. Um, and then as a creator, you kind of want the power to come back in the hands of the creators again. You want the power to be back in the yeah. people that, that make things and that are great. And I always say all the time from a director's standpoint, I don't know if something's going to be good. Yeah. I really don't. And, and most of my job is just bringing the elements that I know could kind of work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you want to have a party and you want to do, okay, let's get some good food. Let's let's invite this amount of people. Let's invite this guy because he's kind of weird and this girl because she's out of her mind. <laughs> and they might do some weird shit Weird shit that together. Yeah. Light that corner real weird so that yeah, everyone can yeah. see it. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's really what you're doing as a creator is you're sort of bringing these elements together and saying, okay, what's going to fucking happen? And then like you've been saying, just be as honest as you possibly can through the whole process. Yeah. And then through that honesty, your voice finds a, a way out. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like DPs and directors and like writers they don't think in that way. They think, oh, being honest is something that the actor has to do. You no. know, I just have to make something cool and slick and whatever. And 
it's just not the case. And no. I don't care, even if you're a marketing person too, like, oh, I got to make something cool and slick that follows the trends. It's like, I don't think we take the strive to be honest as a thing that is actually something you have to work on. Yeah. Because I think everyone wakes up and is like, oh, be honest. Herp, derp, my name's Ted. I'm honest. <laughs> done. My job's done. No, it's really hard to be honest. Fuck yeah, dude. It's really fucking hard to be like, this is who I am. This is what I care about. And fuck, that's it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is what I, I go even further. This is what I know right now. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to know next week. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to feel next week. This is how I feel about social issues today, today. at this time. Yeah. Next it week, it could be completely changed. It should. If it doesn't fucking change. Then there's a problem. Exactly. And you are a bad person. Exactly. <laughs> and if you don't change your mind regularly, I hate you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But if you're selling things, if you're trying to appeal to people that are selling things to you, the fact that you're changing consistently is a fucking to. nightmare. And so then you have to be adjusting to that. So it's, a, it's interesting. I like the fact that we've gone off on this tangent. Yeah. This has been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very relevant to to today as well too. Um, well, you made an interesting point when you said that uh, cinematographers and directors are always seem to be chasing the slick kind of thing. I agree. I think a lot of the people that listen to the show come to the show because I think when you first get started, when you're young and you and you just need to get in, access in this business is the hardest thing to get. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't really buy access. Yeah. You know what I mean? Access is one of those things where it's like. Hey, I'm going to go work on a, a bunch of dudes' movies for free for fucking years. Yeah. And then get in with that crew and then that time will get me here and then you're you're talking 6 years out, 5 years out. Yeah. And so if you're someone that's getting into that business, the idea of going like I got to wait fucking 5 years before I have access. Ah, you know what I mean? And I so I think it's a lot easier for them to go like, well, if I buy this piece of equipment, if I have this thing then I'm a pro at this point. So this gear will get me access. So if I buy these things, then I'll have that access. So then you get this stuff and your mindset is in that I'm buying access mode. Instead of being in the I'm hanging out with people mode and I'm creating something that's honest and fresh and new mode. And so then when you buy all this gear, I know a lot of dudes that do this, a lot of shooters. They'll buy like the latest camera on the market and then they'll literally go on YouTube or before that open up the instruction manual and be like, here's how you white balance this is what you do. Uh, These are the fucking settings. Dude. And, and then you, you go look on fucking Vimeo and you're like, this is that video that this person did. They put someone in front of a fucking window. And so they haven't trained their brain on how to live life, absorb what they're seeing, and then translate that through that piece of fucking equipment. Yeah. It's a goddamn shovel. So through that piece of equipment to actually translate the story that they're absorbing. And so you have a huge population of filmmakers that are just recreating shit that they see online because they're not fucking inspired and they don't know how to do it because they haven't been told that the most important portion of it is living a life, yeah, experiencing things that are worth retelling. Dude. Dude. If, if I hear one more person, like, do you have a friend or do you know someone that's been like, I'm going to buy all this gear? Here, better one. I'm going to make a studio. <laughs> I'm gonna make a studio and then I'll get a bunch of sweet gigs and I'm gonna have all these creative people coming in and out of my studio or if I buy this camera people are gonna want to rent me out yeah. there's like a um like one flick one grain of salt of truth in there of yes maybe if you have the camera some person will be like sure let's hire the guy because he's cheap and he includes his cameras there's like a tiny tiny part of that that's true 
But 99.9% of the people that I talk to, and I talk to a lot of gearheads, come up to me and they they don't do the thing that they actually want to do because they're using the gear or the location as an excuse every single time, dude. Yep. And I can't tell you how heartbreaking it is to see the same person come up to me every single year after year after year being like, oh, I'm still working on this thing, but yeah, I just, I'm waiting for this thing to come out. I'm waiting for me to be able to afford this thing. It is a, it's like a paralysis, man. And what this, again, this is another reason why I hate the fucking gear company. <laughs> the gear industry loves that person, right? Yeah. They buy the new thing every time when it's, and I, I'm saying this as someone like, dude, I fucking, I profit off this shit, right? Like this is my company and like, this is what we do. Sure. And I'm, and if you're hearing it from me too. Let me just say like, it's not, gear, gear companies love that kind of person because they're going to come in, buy the new thing every time and they're not going to actually, they're focusing on all the wrong things. Exactly. They're, they're, they're in that game of, this is what's going to make me big. Yes. And then you get, dude, it's because this business is a, a, it's a bipolar fucking depression business. Yeah. There's no, there's no straight line of happiness. Like I can wake up, fuck, a week ago you were here. I can wake up in the process of the day and go, fuck, movie's happening. Bam. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then two hours later, no, it's not. Three hours later, something's really great going on. I have a guest in the show. No, I don't. This doesn't, bum, 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 bum. So literally my emotions are like this. Yeah. On a daily fucking basis. And that's really hard to get through. And it's exhausting. But that's the through. work. That's the job. That's the actual job. That's the job. It's not waiting and being like, well, you know, once I checked off all these checkboxes. And you're I'm not getting that fucking dopamine hit by going and buying gear. Yeah. And that's why this shit shows up in like really beautiful little boxes with silk covers and Dude, coats. That's the worst, man. That's like, you know, they're, they're prepping you for the, for the, for the fucking visual sex that and you're about to All get. the people out there that think like, oh, I just need to buy more gear before I can do something or before I can make my movie or all the people out there that say, I need a studio. I'm in the process of making a studio. What the I mean, fuck? Let me, let me tell you right now what, what happens at the end of that path. <laughs> when you go down that path, when you start that path, because uh, let me, for all the people out there too, I'm not denying that you need gear. I'm not denying that you need locations to do anything. Sure. But, for the person out there that is using it as an excuse, but doesn't think that they're using it as an excuse, that path ends when you buy a lot of gear as a rental house yeah. or an independent <laughs> person that has to deal with pickup times and drop off times. And oh, this this person dropped my lens, and I have to yeah. and I have to send it into insurance. And for the locations person out there, the person that thinks if I can only start a studio with my friends and then I can rent it out to people and it'll pay for itself and I'll also have a place to shoot the gigs that I want to make and make my movie. No, that, that path ends with you being a location manager where you have to deal with sets coming in, trashing your location, where you have to deal with insurance certs and people coming in and giving you... Dude, get, making 100%. sure that you book enough days in the month to pay for the rent for the location. Yeah. There are people out there that can make it work, but... At least in my experience, it's less than like 3% of the people that do it. And most of the time, the real successful people that kind of do that shit already have established themselves as a storyteller. Yes, they are. They don't do it until they absolutely need it. Look at Tyler Perry. Yes. He has an entire studio that he built down in uh, Georgia. Yeah. And it's amazing. And he built like, he took over an old army base and he has like, a like a, a firefighter set, a police office set. He's got all these great buildings. He actually super smart and built various exteriors around the same structure so he can shoot all these different exteriors in this spot. Why did he do it? Because he's fucking Tyler Perry. Yeah. Like literally he knew that it was going to be more cost effective for him to actually own all these locations because he's shooting at such a high rate, shooting a TV series, shooting movies and stuff. That's fucking smart. Yeah. 
But if you're like, I'm going to buy a fucking military base and do this shit and I'm going to get like a huge audience based upon it, you're missing out on all that early stage development shit that you're going to need when you're on that set. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's, if you ran a business, you would never get a humongous location because you think it's going to bring people. <laughs> you first bring a lot of people. And then yeah. you're like, fuck, we got to expand. That's when you spend the money to invest and go bigger. When yeah. you have jobs knocking down your door being like, hey, I need you to have this location 10 days a month. That's when you invest in it. But you don't invest in it and then say, oh, this is going to bring a job that will pay me 10 you just, it doesn't, It doesn't work that way most of the time. Dude. Please stop paralyzing yourself if you're in that boat. It's, it's- and if you are in that boat, we're not judging you. I'm not judging you for being in that sure. boat. It's very easy to be sold that that's the boat to take. And I think that there's been a lot of like crappy training out there. I, I think that we're so obsessed with buying things right now. And we're so obsessed with, with and I'm not anti-gear because gear is important. Yeah. Paintbrushes are needed to make a painting. Absolutely. 100%. But I think that mentality of you need to own this thing to be a professional is total bullshit. Yes. And I think that there's we're multiple generations in on that point to the point where people are just like, what camera? Dude, I went to your, this is where uh, I met um, Tim as well. I went yeah. to the um, the RGB lighting. Oh, the Flex event. Yeah. You came out of the Flex event. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he told me to come out to that because I was talking about being on the show. So I came out and I saw you there. Yeah. We didn't meet there. I just watched what you did. Yeah. Um, but I stood in that fucking line that was uh, around the building. <laughs> There's a big old line to get into that spot around the building. And I think I've talked about this on the show before. And I'm standing in that line and, and you're surrounded by filmmakers. Yeah. Right? Directors, producers, all these people that are coming to hear to, to hear about lighting. You know what I mean? I didn't know what I was in for. I was Dude, literally I coming. Loved, I loved that event. It was fucking it phenomenal. Was so fucking it was fun, really man. great. And yeah. kudos, by the way, kudos to you guys for doing that shit. Because I think Dude. it was really important that Dude, you did. This this is what I mean by like I didn't. I didn't want to put my fucking face on screen, dude. This is not something I wanted to do initially. I swear to God, dude. Like I, we, I went through six or seven actors before finally I was like, "Fuck it, I'll put the shirt on." YPPPR done. Okay, can we can we cut? Can we go home now? It's a great story. You know, I'm yeah, tired yeah. of eating red vines on set. Um, but <laughs> no offense, red vines. I love you. Red vines. <laughs> but I, I think, uh, dude, the community has just been the best, man. And I think like. It's great. There, that's what I mean by like. I don't want to be future scared because I really think that this like boom of content. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best thing that could happen to our industry. Well, we need it. We need it. We need it because if there wasn't streaming services, if there wasn't all these places looking for this stuff, there'd be no fucking jobs for the wealth of people that are getting into this industry. Yeah. And what else do we export out of this country right now? Content. It's really that's marketing. it. We do finance. We do legal, and we do marketing. Yeah. That's basically what we do these days. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, I think it's great that that stuff is existing. I think it's really important. And you're right. It isn't uh, being afraid of the future. It isn't being afraid of different technologies or different ways of thinking. It's not that at all. It's just being aware. Yeah. Being aware. Understanding how commercials work. Understanding how advertising works. Because then you can actually get to the root of it and decide whether or not that's important to you. Yeah. Because oftentimes it is, man. Like... Mm-hmm. We just shot two things this week that we were talking about prior. We just did, uh, I don't know when this episode comes out. It might already release, but we did the Czar Face video with Inspector Deck. And we actually used um, my DP, uh, David Cruder, used your lights for a bunch of that stuff. I love it, man. Yeah. Gear is, is, again, I I like to rail on gear because 
I think I'm a little too close to the problem sure, sometimes, sure. right? I, I see <clears throat> it's sort of like, uh, you know, don't meet your heroes for it because you end up. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like, I was a gearhead, dude. Totally. And then you get closer to it and you're like, oh my gosh, there's all these like deep and horrible problems going on in this industry. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I, I can't, I can't be a part of it, but I can't leave it. And, uh. Yeah, so I think uh, I don't want to. I don't want to just totally drag gear through the dump. It's just, you know, just know and be aware of how much of an impact does this actually make. Sure. And don't get me wrong; like the things that people are doing in technology right now are amazing. You see yeah. Mandalorian, right? Yeah, talk yeah. to the guys from Lux Machina. Those guys are fucking amazing. And yeah. like what they do in terms of writing, when I talk to them about breakdowns and stuff, I love that stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's doing all kinds of things that that push and open up. And I think this is largely fueled by the the content kind of explosion that sort of hit our industry is that nowadays, because everybody has to be a filmmaker, it also means that more money is being put into the technology of filmmaking Mm -hmm. and everything is speeding up like crazy right now in our industry. Like we were, we were just talking about lighting, like at the flex event, Mm -hmm. dude, lighting is going through a DSLR boom right now. Like led is like the DSLR. Dude, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. It means that, Everybody that I mean, people used to literally die plugging in lights, right? Like you used to have to make an arc light, like bringing together two things and having an open fucking lightning bolt going between two things to light. This is how we used to have to light things. People would die. And this is why it was such a closed off and secretive and like, you know, these are my trade secrets. And if you want to be a part of this, you have to apprentice. And this is why, you know. These like it's basically like secret societies of filmmaking. Sure. So strong. Yeah. Yeah. But now with the content boom, it's like. These tools are being made available for everybody. And because of that, the things that are actually more important than the gear and the technology, being honest, mm-hmm. things like that are actually shining through in a way that I, I really love. So that's, that's again, that's my positive spin on the whole. Dude, it's like, a good positive spin. And like yeah. it, the goal of the show isn't to be negative, but yeah. I think it's important that we look at the dark side of these things in order to understand okay. what is really great about them. Yeah. And I. Love this business. I love fucking lighting. Like I think lighting to me is is it's like it's it's painting. It's it's essentially painting real time. I love like I love constant lighting for that reason because I can walk through the set and see that stuff and volumetrics and all that kind of shit. I fucking love that man. Seeing great lit like great lighting to me is like a good fucking meal. You look at it and you go. For me, it's a fucking painting, dude. When I look at it, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. someone, yeah. someone like made a 3D painting I can walk into. Yeah, right it's now. so fucking rad, man. Yeah. I love it, dude. And I I love uh, what a lot of this new technology allows you to do creatively and quickly. Yes. Like we did shots with the uh, Dale Strong Knife stuff the other day. I have to show you guys some of the stuff. And it was just, normally what that would have taken was a generator bunch of guys that's exactly what i mean a fucking rig and literally it's just me taking a tube and just rotating a tube over a logo and in that ability to do that i was able to change my not only my speed but also my direction and angle live and i go there it is there it is there it is there it is and literally be able to shape a light move yeah holding it in my fucking hands that's exact i i like the dslr let normal people be able to actually be able to change lenses and shoot in the way that cinematographers do to some extent. LED lets people be able to light their scenes first period, but you know, a lot of the time without needing to bring on this humongous super SWAT team trained crew and be able to do it and plug it into a normal household circuit. This is, 
uh, again, I, I think it's the best time to be making content right now. It really, really is. So, I agree, yeah. dude. And and it shows. Yeah. Like, if you look at any of these... Dude, everything looks so much better lit now. It's totally you turn good. on a movie from the 90s and then turn on a movie now. Ooh, it dude. is night and day. And it's almost to the point... I joke with Gina about it. It's almost to the point where, like, she's watching a show... I'm so cynical about a lot of stuff. She's watching the show on TV and I go, this show's trash. This show's absolute trash. And she goes, it's really good. I go, yeah, if it was lit differently, you would see it for the trash that it is. <laughs> you're right. Even trash TV now is lit, lit so, well. so well. And so you, you're confused by it. And you're like, this has got to be good. Dude, this is how I feel about a lot of the, a lot of the, like the, you know, I, I was making a joke to my friend about the other day is that, uh, you know, Bojack Horseman ended. Yeah. And I was, and I feel like it's like the end of the golden age of Netflix. You know, yeah. like there was a, there was a time when every time Netflix released something, it was like A24 or something. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I got all excited. Mm-hmm. My panties are in a bunch. Mm-hmm. I go to the theater, yeah. I sit down, turn it on, House of Cards, Bojack, so many good yeah, yeah. Orange is the New Black. Yeah, yeah. Um, nowadays, it's like streaming Netflix shows come on. And I'm like, this could either be total garbage. Or it could be and something okay. I don't know, but you're right. It's going to be lit really well. Most exactly. likely, no matter what. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because this the cinematography is amazing. And when you look at this stuff, I was talking to my cinematographer, Kruda, about it the other day when he was here. I'm like, they're doing 50 hours of content for some of these programs yeah. on a fucking TV show's time schedule. How the fuck... And you're talking about uh, feature. The difference between television and features, I think, is ultimately in the details and the set pieces and, and all that kind of stuff. But still, just visually on the TV scope, it's just like, how the fuck are they shooting this much content that looks that good in what? Five months? Like, how do you know, dude. how do you do the math on that? I don't know. It's insanity. I mean, I think part of it is... Like I feel like a lot of the like traditional set guys are going to get upset about this, and I, you have a right to be upset about it. But you know, this is how the times change. Is that I think the timeline for everything is getting faster. Partially, that is aided because of technology. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh well, we expect you to be able to shoot faster because you can set up lights faster and set up gear faster and set up stuff faster. On the other hand, because of you know the content boom, you all of a sudden have all these <clears throat> directors that are like, I will get onto set and shoot this for next to nothing and do it faster sure. and do it for free, basically. Sure, right? sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's a it's a problem because I think when you're when you're so used to, I mean, you you basically let's take lighting for example. You had a solid the past ninety years, you know, ninety to hundred years. You didn't really have to change much at all. You were using kind of the same tools. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. And all of a sudden now you have some backwards hat like idiot coming onto set being like, yeah, I can do this faster than you because <laughs> I got this new gear that I've learned how to use and I haven't learned how to use any of the older stuff and doesn't matter to me because I don't care. I'm going to move on. Um, you know, what do you, what do you say to that kind of guy? It's weird, man. And then uh, it's a strange cause. All right. So we'll get deeper in this. So it's a strange uh, thing to have to handle. It's a really as you tough get, climate right now yeah. for filmmakers because the older guys hate the younger guys and the younger guys hate the older guys. It's- Where I don't think you should. And I, hopefully if you're listening to the show, both of you grow up. I, th- I think there hits there hits a point where where you can come together. At the end of the day, it's whether or not you're you're hungry for the job and you need the job, or you're threatened and you're afraid of losing the job, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. We're struggling. I want to be a director. I want to be a head. I want to be a head. Why? Because I want to make sure that all my pals that I've come up with have a job, and all I give a shit about is just doing this all the time. 
I don't care. Golden statue. I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. Yeah. All I want is, I want to do the Clint Eastwood thing. It's, it's the it's the New York taxi driver. You know, I I, I will do this job forever. Fine, just yeah. Keep doing just this. keep doing. It. I want to keel over fucking craft services. That's yeah. my move. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And so, it's difficult to convince the people that pay you that that's worth something now because there's such a plethora of people that are coming in going like I'll do, I'll do it faster I'll do it quicker I'll do it faster I'll do it quicker and I think it, I think we're going to see a shift because we're just seeing the early stages of this right now where there's mm-hmm. such a floodgates of it and I think what we were saying with honesty I think it also comes down to like honesty and storytelling and honesty and quality and storytelling and just because I can light something faster mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that I've taken the time to make what I'm lighting mm-hmm. good. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, blocking, I mean content, I mean writing, I mean all these things that require time. It's not just, did you mount the TV or not? It's exactly. not a yes or no thing anymore. It's exactly. How, how much are you willing to pay for, for how good is it actually going to be? Exactly. And then when you watch these things, it's the difference between seeing like, um, seeing like, like a Kurosawa movie, yeah. you know, which still holds up. Mm-hmm. He's still a fucking legend for that kind of shit Absolutely. because he spent the time examining elements. Like, dude, you, <laughs> this guy didn't have the latest technology. And dude, they, they he, literally were using fucking flags. <laughs> they, they didn't have walkie talkies. They were literally using flags on mountains. And they had like hundreds of dudes on horses. And there was like an AD team that was like, okay, so when you go like this, that means go. And so like they were just doing that shit from distances. And he would just lock the camera. Fuck gear. He was just like, put it on something, lock it off, and then I'm going to move everybody in that in front of that camera, and you're going to think that that camera was on a fucking dolly. You're not even going to know it wasn't. Just because of the way I'm moving the sets and because of the way I'm moving the people and because yeah. of the way I'm doing that stuff. And when you watch that content, you're just like, wow, wow. And then if you could imagine what that would look like lit with the today's technology, it's like, Wow, that'd be really beautiful. Someone put that much effort into what that was into happening. what's possible today. The problem with that is, is that takes fucking time. Yeah. I guarantee you that it took eight, nine hours to get those flag guys to figure that shit out. Yeah. And like, if you if you have a room full of extras, and this is something I want to do with a lot of my movies, I actually want to work with a lot of extras and see how a room full of like fifty people interact with what with what one person's going through emotionally. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. That to me is more fascinating than what I'm shooting with, how I'm lighting it, what I'm doing with that stuff, because I can literally do that in the fucking daylight and have 50 people react and respond to someone emotionally and make the audience just fucking jump. Yeah. Make the audience lose their shit. And I think if you are listening to this stuff and you're like, okay, you're naysaying gear and you're naysaying all this stuff, well, what is it about filmmaking that's exciting? That shit's exciting for me. Yeah. At the end of the day, when you're talking about telling stories, you're examining human response. You're examining body language. You're examining story. And then we still live in this world as magicians. We're basically magicians, yeah. like rabbit in the hat kind of yeah. shit. It's, it's a mix of a magician and a philosopher yeah. mixed together. That's yeah. basically what it yeah, is. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Filmmakers are like the modern day philosophers that tell their stories through like <laughs> fucking like flames coming out of a it's hat. Sh- it's like shadow play on a wall. Yeah, 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 totally. yeah. I, I fucking love that stuff. And and if you really look at that, if you strip out all this really amazing gear 
Yeah. Right? Because you can do really great stuff. And if you strip that back down to like a candle, a wall, and shadow puppets on a fucking wall, and if you could do something creative with that to a group of f- five dudes that are drinking beers with you, yeah. and everybody's like, dude, fuck, I cried. And that was your fucking thumb. You know what I mean? Then you know at that point you have those skills. So then fast forward six years, seven years from now, when you're on set and you're standing across from fucking... I don't know, whatever fucking actor that they've given you who's got value at that point, and you just go, do me a favor. I learned this shit with my two fingers, and it made people fucking cry, so I'm going to take the fingers out, and your face is going to go in there instead, and we're going to do that with your face instead of the fingers. (laughs) I I wish there was a way to tell that to... Because here's the problem is that I, I know people say this all the time, right? Like, it's like the story. It's the fundamental skills. It's like, if you know this stuff, you yeah. will succeed. But it's so hard to actually You got to get past all it. this fucking crap. It's hard to act on it. Yeah, yeah. And and I think there's a, there's a certain type of person. And to be honest, I think it's basically everyone. Is I think part of the reason why there's this gear fascination and why there's like, oh, I want to do the thing that's slick, that's like proven to work is because... Most of the time, if you're a filmmaker, you've told a lot of people in your life, this is what I'm born to do. Mm-hmm. And if you make something that's not slick, you show it to someone and it's bad. Because you like, like, like say, you did the, say you did the thumb thing, right? The shadow puppet thumb thing. And like, it was not only was it not slick because it's fucking shadow puppets, but two, like the story was really bad too. And the acting was horrible. And then you had to show it to someone and be like, well, this is what I, I'm born to do. And this is my thing. That's the thing that I think, like... If you're not a filmmaker, you don't understand what that pain looks like. But yeah. there's nothing more painful than showing someone something that's supposed to be art that's horrible after yeah. you've told a lot of people, this is what I'm born to do and this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because yeah. it's like, oh, if that thing sucks and that's what you're born to do, well, what does that say about you? That's like the, the crippling thing that I think forces people to want to suddenly cover it up. and. I tell this to a lot of people, but the gear and the technology, it's the sprinkles on top. Sure. Right? At the end of the day, it's like emotion. It's about the philosophy. It's about the stories. It's about the characters. But everything else, even the lighting and stuff like that, there's spring- it's all sprinkles on top. Yeah, yeah. Just beautiful lighting is not going to make an incredible film. <laughs> it could be like really fucking good lighting. Then maybe, but <laughs> just lighting is not going to make a film amazing, right? Yeah. It's just going to enhance it a little bit more, which is why when you turn on something and it looks beautiful, you can't tell if it's total garbage or really great. But... I think people spend so much time learning just the sprinkle part of it because they're afraid that they can't actually make someone cry with just their thumbs. They can't actually do the honest part. and Or they're worried that, you know, maybe I've done the honest thing once or twice before, but I feel like I got really lucky, you know? Like, I, I sure. kind of found this thing. And for my third project, I don't know if it's actually going to be, if I can actually hit it or not. Sure. I don't know if it's going to be successful. So instead... I'll just make everything else around it really expensive and slick so that even if it's bad, people will watch it and be like, wow, you know, the cinematography looked good. The Uh uh, lighting looked Uh good. Uh, You know, you did a cool effect thing there and that was interesting. Uh And that'll never make it successful. But I don't know how to break through that, though. Dude, dude, here's what I'll tell you. Like, how do you how do you do that? This is what I learned. Okay. Um. I learned this when I did uh, my my film 12 Cam, which I'll have to send to you. Absolutely. I did the short film. You guys have all heard about it on the show. Um, and that that fear is real, where it's like, this is what I've... Especially if you've been working on something for, for years, 
and you're like, this is what I've been doing with my time. This is why I haven't come home for Christmas. This is why I haven't done this. This is why I haven't done this. This is what I've been doing with my time. And so the, I think the fear and the negative aspect of that is you're, you're putting everything on the final product, right? So, and I used to do this. I would just be like, it's all about the finished piece. It's all about the fucking film. It's all about people seeing this thing, right? And it wasn't until I was shooting on set for 12 cam and I would invite my parents around, right? Cause they're fun. They're artists and they, they come hang out. Um, and we're on set and my dad was hanging out with me and he watched me sort of directing a bunch of extras and sort of handling people. And he, and I didn't know he was there watching and he was just sort of there. And, uh, he talked to me, uh, weeks after and I, he brought it up randomly and he brought it up and he, he came over to me and he goes, um, I'm so proud of the fact that you can bring people together and learn and create and that you can be in this situation where people believe in your vision, regardless of the outcome of that vision. They believe in the adventure that you're about to do. They believe in the process, the learning of this process that you're about to do. Um, And he's like, it doesn't matter how good the movie is. Like that is what everything's going to be. And when I was on that film, and I've said this on the show before, when I was on that film and I had a real shitty day, I had a real shitty day as movies will give you. And I remember coming home and I'm like, I can't be the only one that goes through this. And I was looking through the internet. I was hunting and looking for a spot where other directors would say, yeah, 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 I've done this. And it was really hard to find. I had to dig deep into other interviews. Like I started an interview with David Fincher and he's like, first day sucks. And it was like one of the last things he said amongst like everything else or an interview with this other person that was like, this day sucks. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so then I'm cherry picking these and I had this epiphany where I go, this is the fucking job. The job is always going to suck. Yeah. Like it's always going to suck. And it isn't this amazing, sparkling, shiny fucking moment for me. And even after you screen a movie, I don't know if you've ever screened a piece in front of people, you get to that point where you're just like... Two weeks for screening. You get there, you fill the theater full of people, you show this thing on screen, and if it's good, right, and you think it's great, it's a perfect scenario, and they watch and they go, yay, and they all fucking clap, and you're up there, and you're like, this is great. But most of the time... <laughs> most of the time, no, right? <laughs> most of the time, you're like, oh, I don't know if I really like this anymore. <laughs> but we're showing it anyways. <laughs> so you don't know, right? So then you screen the fucking thing, you have a surprise, and everybody fucking loves it, right? It's great, awesome, best thing ever happened. Then what happens? They leave the theater and that moment's gone. That moment is instantly gone. And you're standing there on, in that theater. It clears out. You're probably the guy that's still going to go pick up your posters and pick up your shit. And you go out there and, and your crews are with you and your crews all around. They're like, that was really exciting. And the moment's gone. And you have like this sort of shell shocked after effect where you're just like, I've, I've been working on this for five years. And it's done. Your face is hot and plush. And yeah, like, and you're like, and it, it's like you've someone's taken your baby away. Someone's taken your purpose away, and you're like, it's gone. It's it's finished. And if you have that team around you, if you have that crew of people around you, they will gather around you. And go, let's go get beers. Let's go get beers. Let's go hang out. And you guys become that group again. And you go from like that peak back into the creation. And if you're if you're with other people, you're out having beers, and you're like. I got this other really great idea. That'd be great. And this will be great. And this will be great. And so then you're staying in that mode of creation. 
And then you find that that mode is the fucking job and that mode is the reason. And then you're judging yourself based upon how you're reacting in that mode now. And you're not judging yourself based upon the final product. Don't be a piece of shit on set. Don't be a fucking Weinstein. Don't be an asshole. Those things are easy when you understand that the life and that the mode itself is the reason to do the fucking and job. that is the job. That's the job. You should put that on poster or something. <laughs> it's always going to suck. Like a t-shirt or something like that. Like it's always going to suck. It's always going to suck. I mean, I don't know how like a crew would feel like when you showed up on set with a sweater that just said it's always going to suck. suck. But but I, 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 I fucking love that, dude. It's cool, right? I, I think. Yeah, man. I think uh, the 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 thing that you talked about with the Fincher thing. What 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 social com- what commentary was that? I don't know. I gotta dig it up, and I I might be misquoting. It might have been one of no, the other guys, dude. Because I because I, I I yeah, man. I I don't know if it was like Panic Room or he was yeah. just like day one sucks. And he I love. I haven't met him. I'd love to meet him, but I love his like. Dude, he's the best. Are you? Kidding I love me? his cynicism. <laughs> dude, his cynicism is amazing. That's yeah. what I mean. Is that I've started to. That shift happens because everyone gets into movies because they're like, they watch movies and they're like, wow, that was so fun to watch it. How much fun must it be to make it? <laughs> right? Like, that's the hell, right? Like, that's what gets people into film school. Sure, sure. But then I think I think the, the shift is that slowly over time you start to appreciate people. I don't know why, but I feel like I have this feeling of when people say something sucks that they either about themselves or something that or something that they do. I like them more now yeah, because they're not doing the bullshit fucking PR thing. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, so, yeah. when someone tells me like my life blows, sometimes I'm like, I like this. So does mine. Where's this person? This, <laughs> this person and I need to get some beers because I like this person, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying like everyone needs to be a depressed fucking asshole. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like like being real about like I don't care who you are in the world. It's going to suck, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean like again, like I, I you know I haven't gone super deep into the like you know when, when I when I did my film and I remember when I finished it and uh, you know it's always the first edit when you produce something that you always hate, right? This is something everyone knows. Of course. The first edit is always shit and you want to like. You pretty much want to off yourself. Do <laughs> you see the first end? It's truly horrible, right? Um, it's like director's commentary are things where people say, I'm, I've also gone through this pain or that it also sucks for me, I think is the thing that makes you, that helps pull you out of it. Yeah. You mentioned it was a, it was a David Fincher comment. I think so. Someone yeah. saying that. I, I remember because people don't talk about it enough. They don't talk about how much it sucks. Dude. And that's what brings you back out of it. And I remember, uh, like, for me, it was, like, the only thing I could find was, like, I don't even fucking watch, I don't watch a lot of sports, but, like, there was, like, some, some actually, funny enough, it was it was a Kobe Bryant interview, I remember, that I was, I just, some clip that was online at some point, mm-hmm. depressed as all hell. I think I'd had, like, uh, on my desk, there was, like, 45 Five Guys receipts, because I was, like, you know, I'm working on this film and editing it, and, like, I'm from the East Coast, right, so Five Guys tastes sure, like home sure. for me. Sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, sure. dude. Hell yeah. yeah. There's a reason why all directors get fat when it they're doing movies. It tastes like home, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you're stressed out, and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you just, anything, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, it was, it was just an interview where, uh, again, bas- what does basketball have to do with filmmaking? But he said, uh, said, you think he just had, like, one of the worst games ever, and some reporter was, like, so just said, like, the meanest thing in the world. Something along the lines of, like, Hey, like, so what does it feel like to, uh, you know, be the be the greatest of all time and to like have the team go through like the worst season that's ever had and ha- also have the worst game that it's ever had in the past fifteen years while you're the star player? There's some question like that. Yeah, yeah. And the answer was just so fucking professional. The answer was, this is the job. J- the job is sometimes you wake up 
And when you win, they love you. And when you lose, they hate you. But your job is just to keep showing up and doing the thing. Hell yeah. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. Dude, fuck yeah. That's great. That is the job. When you win, they love you. When they when you when you lose, they hate you. It's it, I think it's also similar to that. What's that other line? It's um, you're always as you're never as good as they say, and you're never as bad as they say. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, dude. These are all so fucking healthy, yeah. and the fact that we're talking about this is healthy, because yeah. this is the other side. This is the stuff that keeps you in. This is the reason to get in it. Is for this because. For the love of God, it sucks. Like to this business will beat the fuck out of you. Like if you want to get into it to make movies, if you want to get into it to do content, it doesn't matter how good you are. Some asshole is going to say you can't do that for some sort of ridiculous fucking reason that has no connection to your talent or to where you come from or what's happening with it. People are going to be in between you and your dream and you still have to keep going. And even worse, sometimes you'll say that you're going to do something great. And you're going to fuck it up. Yeah. And you true. are going to have to stand next to it. Yeah. And it's hold very it true. up. It's very and true. And say, this is the thing I did. Damn. This is why I haven't come home for Christmas for the past four years for this film here that you hate and also I hate. I wonder why I wasted all my time and didn't come home for Christmas. Dude. Like the, the tear slowly comes out of your eye while you're holding it up. It you sucks, know, dude. But you know who I think is the, the king of that? Is uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think Kevin Smith, uh, loved Kevin Smith. I was a kid at that time period and uh, being one of the Sundance darlings or one of the indie guys that gets sort yeah. of pulled into it. I love the story about Clark's man. The credit cards. Are you kidding me? Uh, dude. Uh, dude, the man. Um, dude, and for saying amazing. That, the amazing. Man. And even still, still in his career, and even in, when he had his heart attack and he's very honest about stuff and he's very out there and he's very present with it, um, whether or not you... Like, I, I love a lot of his movies. I think some of his movies aren't as good, sure. but it doesn't fucking matter to me. I'm more curious about the, the Kevin Smith life. Because he's fucking honest. Yeah. It comes and back to that, he right? he opens it up, dude. I think another example that I really love is uh, David Lowry, man. Mm-hmm. He has this video on Vimeo. I don't know if you, have you seen it. He uses this video called My Process. No, I've never seen it. I fucking love it. So it's David Lowry, director of Pete's Dragon, like Sundance Darling, like, you know, whatever. Anyways. Uh, ghost house ghost story uh, yeah, yeah 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 and he has this video where he does like a really kind of super crude kind of shitty animation <laughs> called my process and he's like it's just got this like super kind of like quiet monotone music in the ba- in the background and it's just him narrating a crappy drawing of himself writing what he does every day and he's like i wake up in the morning and uh i drink a cup of coffee even though i know i shouldn't and uh <laughs> Sometimes I'm working on a project that I don't feel like working on, but I, I try to work on every script that I have every day. Today I'm working on three, but on my worst days, I just sit on Facebook all day. And I'm like, yo, I love this person because he's just so honest and real, man. Yeah, It's not some conversation about like, oh creative process is uh you know i did you three hours of yoga and then some like some space age stuff and uh, i i rub these rocks together and i contemplate and meditate on my history no oh, man. man 
And that's what I like about Fincher, too, is he literally will complain through his commentary. He'll be like... I love those. He'll be like, yeah, you know, like, we did this... See, I remember it's like a social network commentary. We did this scene, and the, the previous actors did a better... There was some extras did a better job than these people, but, you know, I, like, I was an idiot, and I chose the wrong location, so we had to cut their scene, even though they did a great job. And we had to use this scene instead, so... You know, it's just one of those moments where director messes up and the day players have to suffer for it. So anyways, moving on to the next scene. I'm like, yes, yes. But why does that feel so good? Why does that feel so good? It's real, dude. It's the reason why I watch movies is for a feeling of some, you feel a connection. You feel, you feel uh, an empathy. Do you feel like, I don't know, it's hard. It, it, it puts things that you can't put into words. Yeah alone it takes feelings and messages that yeah it just feels good to talk to people that are honest dude yeah that's it man yeah and then at the end of the day we're all insecure everybody is yeah and we're just like am i doing it right i don't know and it would be different if we were like firefighters yeah and they were just like go to fire school go to fire academy go do your job sign in every day buy your boots get your shit yeah and be like what am i doing well I did uh first 25 things on that list. Yep. I'm about 25 from retirement. Good to go. Here we go. You know what I mean? That's that's that lifestyle. Yeah. We don't have that. You've got to you're you're fighting your inner demons all the time. All the time and there's no set of rules. There's no rules. Even if you're even if you're not a fucking filmmaker though. Like I I keep coming back to this honesty thing cuz we don't treat it like it's a journey or a thing. Like you treat like cooking or something like that. I got to I got to work on my craft. I got to learn how to like cut things and spice things and be able, I got to do filmmaking. I got to work on my my lighting or my cinematography or my writing or stuff like that. Work on like being genuine and in touch with your own sense yeah. of fucking empathy. That's I think that's what it is. Empathy is a big word for it. Yeah. It's just it, it and it's something that it's hard to work on. It's also like a kind of embarrassing thing to say I'm working on. But I, I will say, uh, I get a lot of people that ask me, like, you know, now, now, nowadays I'm doing, like, these fucking, like, suit and tie, like, douchebag meetings where they're, like, you know, it's about, like, tech company stuff now where people are, like, so, like, tech, like why is the tech company doing so well? You know, like, what's your secret sauce? So, like, people ask these questions to me now. Seriously, dude. Like, I think I sat down for an interview a while ago and it was, like, it was, it was like a business insider thing of like, you know, like, you know, Aperture's like boomed really fast, it's growing really fast. Like, what's the secret sauce? You know, I'm like, you fucking kill me, right? <laughs> this is the worst. I don't want to be here. I'm, I'm sitting at the table again with all these people that I'm like, I don't like these people. And then, what am I doing here? And they just find you like vultures. They're just the, around. The, the, the battle that I do every day. And this is why, I mean, it doesn't just apply to filmmaking. It certainly applies to filmmaking. Art where people come to be emotional, to have some catharsis. But I don't care if you're some marketing douchebag or a business person. You still have to wake up every morning and your battle is how can I be as honest and empathetic? Because the game is when I do, you talked about being in front of camera and stuff like that. Yeah. At a certain point, I think when I, when I started making content, you start making the content and at a certain point you just start like churning and burning it. You're like, oh, cool, great. And you start getting praises for it too. People come to you and like, I really love this stuff. And like, you start to, you start to embellish it a little bit and have a little bit more fun with it. And the number one thing is that this, the second you start doing that, you start losing. It's the same thing as trying to direct a movie and like a bunch of people giving you praises on not the honesty thing, but giving you, oh, I fucking loved all these one takes there. And I loved all the, the way the flashy edits that you did here. And you, you want to do more of that because your average Joe Schmo is not going to be able to see through that. Hmm. The business stuff is the same stuff. They're like, oh, like, yeah, like you're doing this because you're social media marketing whiz or doing this. That's not the stuff that brings people. It's the, that's the fucking gravy, the sprinkles again. At the end of the day, that's why I keep bringing up the people is because 
I think it was just a connection. You know, you just like the the battle is how do I wake up and just try to be me. And and I get it, right? Like anytime you do any recording or something, you have to put on a little bit of energy. Right? Sure, of course. But the goal is like it's not be someone different. It's be yourself, maybe a hundred five percent. Yeah, know, like just be present, be ready, be available, and people connect with that. They connect with it instantly. Um, and like I I, t- I tell this to like yes, I, I say that stuff at like these fucking. Dude, I don't think I'm gonna take any more of those anymore. <laughs> Dude, I yeah. I have all the sympathy for you, man. That sucks. Thanks, man. It sucks. But dude, yeah. it's I mean, where are we at for time right now? How long have we been cranking here, boss? Uh we're we're at ninety minutes. Oh wow. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was good. good. Time. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I dude, it's been fucking cool hanging out with you, man. Dude, it's been fun. Yeah. Thanks man. for having me out here. Really yeah, appreciate it. It's really cool. Yeah. And um I guess uh, I usually end the show with uh, the guests sort of giving some sort of advice. Um, I'm trying to think of what I would ask you now that we've talked about all this stuff. <laughs> I think that was the longest pause we've had. Well, yeah, just filtering through. I'm trying to be smart about it, man. <laughs> I'm amazed that you've only been out here five months, man. I got to be honest, someone recommended me your podcast. Um it must have been a year and a half ago or something really? like that. Yeah. Awesome, man. It's a while ago. Hmm. I'm happy that uh, someone recommended it to you. Yeah. I really am. I think the lines were, uh, yeah, Mike is just, he's just fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the line gonna... that I got. Someone told me that. They were like, yeah, like you got to look into some of these podcasts. Oh, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Yeah, See, this that is the flattery. Now, now you're going to come on, nope, gonna come nope, on next nope, time. You're nope, going to want to nope. knock, knock, yeah, and like hey, making all the jokes. Nope, and shit. nope, nope. No, it's, I, I was just assuming there you go. He said fuck about 75 <laughs> times during an episode. <laughs> um, well, okay. So back to, uh, to a question for you. If, um, so if you're, if you're, cause you, okay. So you work for gear company. You, you go, you're basically the face of a lot of this stuff and you've, I'm you've played, player. yeah, you've, you've been playing this game for a while. Um, and you guys do it right. One of the things I wanted to say about that lighting thing was that it took a lot of balls for them to come out and be like, look, these are the issues with the lights that we fucking sell and that what everybody sells. Um, and that's what I was telling Tim when he was on the show as well. I was just like, it's a lot of fucking balls in there, man. I think that that was great. And I think that honesty, because it comes back to honesty, which is really smart, uh, that honesty brought admiration for, for me. I'm a cynical prick. So like I, I show up in that room and I remember I've talked about this on the show where I walk in. I had no idea what it was about. Zero idea. Because I was I'm just going to hang out. I'm glad you're there, you were there. And so I, I just walk in and it's like, okay, so this is a lighting thing. These guys do light. Why the fuck are there, why the fuck are there gel companies here? Like I walked in and I was just like, why the fuck are the gel companies here? Like what the fuck's going on with this? Yeah. What's going on that? And when you guys were showing all that stuff and you were very honest up there and you're like, this is what it is and we sell this kind of stuff and but everybody needs to know. Um, and I was just like angry at first. I was like, oh, fuck, this gear's not doing what I wanted to do. And I remember a couple of jobs where I got hosed on that. But then afterwards I went, yeah, but there, yeah, yeah, but we should ask for this. And this should be something that we're asking the manufacturers for. And this isn't the fault of these guys here. This is a new technology. And it, it, it like just that insane world without getting too deep in this, cause we did a whole episode on it, but just that insane world where, 
you guys are trying to build something for manufacturers that have a hundred different fucking cameras, a hundred different fucking ways that they're doing shit. And then that also plays into software manufacturers and updates and hardware trying to keep up with shit. And like my guys that sponsor this show, Puget, they build computers. And so they're just like, fuck, they're pulling their hair out because they're consistently trying to deal with all these software updates and everything else that's happening. So in that world, you cannot demand perfection in that world you can't expect perfection is what i want to say in that world it's it's growing the same way and i thought it was really cool that you guys were honest about it and you guys aren't sort of hiding underneath going well like most companies would where it's just like well you know what i mean you guys were 100 percent up front i don't want to sit at that table with those douchebags i just yeah oh you want to it's a fight every day just to try to be transparent and i think it's an awesome thing that we live in the Social media age, I say as I put my hand through this guy, <laughs> because I think it forces a level of transparency and honesty that's never been there before, right? Like, if someone is being a little bit shady about something, people are smart, man. It's like having a TV channel on you all the time. And the second you start to act, second you start to be a little bit shady, everybody knows. And I think for for us, too, with that kind of thing, well, one, so we do a lot of those events, actually. I'm glad you came because the events that we do, a lot of the time they're like educational ones, but we'll like talk about, you know, we just geek out about lighting most of the time. Mm-hmm. That one was particular because it was, hey, let's talk about something that all lighting companies fail at, including us. Um, but the reason we started doing it was because it was just supposed to be a party where we just hang, hung out. And all these, all these sales guys would want to come to the event and they were like, hey, like if we pay you money, can we come here and like sell stuff? And we were like, no, <laughs> you can buy a pack of beer <laughs> if you want to yeah. and come stand around with a beer and hang out with us. That's what you can do. But if you try to sell stuff, then that's not okay, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it comes back to the same thing. Just... Every day it is a struggle to try to be as transparent and clear about everything. Sometimes you have to tell people answers that they don't want to hear. But yep. most of the time, the truth is going to come out one way or another. Always. It might take a longer time. You know, if it's a small secret, you can hide it for a long time. If it's a big secret, you can only hide it for a short time, right? Like, But eventually, the truth comes out. And I think knowing that it's inevitable and that that's going to happen, just come out right away and just say, hey, this is what's going on. Hey, this is what we're working on. Hey, this is how we feel about this thing. How do you feel about this? And because we're in a world where we're so used to getting duped and Coca-Cola, Diet Coke mm-hmm. is the new thing. Zero calories. Mm-hmm. We're so used to living in this world where everything's slick and everything's trying to sell something to you. If you just stop for a second and, you know, I have respect for people that come up to me and just say, hey, I'm trying to sell you this thing. Can I talk to you about it? Well, it was very honest. <laughs> Told yeah. me exactly what you were doing. Yeah. I, I have a newfound respect for that. Yeah, it's 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 trying to be straightforward in a world that isn't very straightforward, and sales and gear is. I've, I've said enough complaints <laughs> yeah. about it already. No. There's good people in the world. There are a lot of really good. Tim is a freaking man. He's Quasar, a man. I love those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. seriously, just down to earth straight shooters. Um, I can't say that about a lot of the a lot of the industry. It's really hard. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I mean, we're not here to trash the industry. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. Yeah, it's just at the end of the day, just beware. That's it. Just beware, be wary, understand what's going on. I mean, I've said it before in a show. I had a, years ago, I had a sponsor. I'm not going to say who they were. Years ago, I had a sponsor and I was at NAB. Yeah. And uh, 
they were like, hey, come check out these new products. And they brought me in the back and they showed me these products. And There's just, nothing wrong with that, too, with trying to sell as long as you say, hey, I'm trying to sell this thing to you. There you go. Exactly. And the guy was 100% honest. I, he was looking at these products and go, he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I never use them. And he's just like, well, I, got a warehouse, I got a warehouse full of these fucking things, so we got to figure out how to get them out of here. Oh, no. And so when you understand that that is part of it, you yeah. understand that there's a warehouse full of these things and they're trying to get them out of there, just remember, it's a, it's a business. It's a business, and you don't get that crazy about shovels. Maybe some of you do. You know what I mean? Some of you guys are out there and you're like, I have a one specific hammer and you buy that hammer's t-shirt and you wear, you have that hammer's logo tattooed on your fucking that's arm. like that for sure. Yeah, but yeah. thankfully they're very few far between. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just You're remember. telling me that all the people that wear tool on their shirt aren't talking about <laughs> yeah. their hammers? It's a- you're talking about that all those people aren't actually just fans of the workbench? <laughs> What are you talking about? They're just like everything. Tool. I thought Radiohead people just like radio. <laughs> They're just big fans of AMFM. Uh, well, dude, I, you know, I think this has been great. I think it's a, it's been a really good episode, and I hope that you've had fun. Thank you, absolutely. Chatting about this shit, man. Thanks for having me out here, man. It's super fun. Also, yeah. we're freaking neighbors, dude. We're literally eight minutes down the street, which is crazy. Beers. Totally, dude. Fuck yeah. Beers. Let's do beers. Okay. All right. I'm not even going to ask that question because you had so much great insight into this in this episode. Actually, Liam, you got anything you want to add? Do you like? Did you want to? I didn't even ask you on the show. Did you, we, Thanks for that. We've been so deep. What's the question, Liam? What's up? What do you What do you got going on there, buddy? Well, no, uh, I actually do have a question because I'm in school right now, yeah. and uh, and literally yesterday I interviewed for grad school. And at that event, I came up to you and I told you about that I was applying. I fucking knew it, dude. You sneaky. You what do you sneaky mean? Butthole. Why did you just tell me? I'm I sneaky. look at you and I gave you. You know when you walk into a room and you look at someone, you're like, I know you. And I gave you that look. Yeah. And you didn't say anything. I was like, I gave you the I gave you the look. Okay, absolutely. How you doing, man? I'm the Good intern. I'm not allowed to fucking say no, that dude, shit. Dude, you're totally allowed to say it. You're literally allowed to say, hey dude, yeah, we met. I the also thing. I also I stood up like, and yeah. asked a question at there and I, I do said, remember yeah. that. Yes, I remember. You're talking about uh Fierstein too. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. what it, tomorrow morning I have a I have a Skype call with them. Yeah. See, look. Okay, so what are, you, what are you asking? What's the question? Well, this, discover you're not being honest. Lady. I do That's love Bernstein. Really, Those are some really good guys over there. Well, okay, yeah, because I'm looking at two fucking schools, and and uh, both are great schools. Okay. Don't get me wrong. One's really fucking expensive, yeah. and the other is Fierstein. And I really am hoping I get into Fierstein. Uh-huh. But my question is, because there are a lot of people listening to this, I know because I was one of I'm I was one of the people listening to this show, and I was listening to it because of how fucking real and cynical and all this stuff is. <laughs> Stop. But but it's because. All right. So my question to you is: with the fact that Aperture and Indie Mogul and places like Film Riot and Cinecom.net and all of these online opportunities and School Motion and all sorts of things, yeah. Why the hell am I applying to to grad school? That's a great question. The film school debate. Huh? We're going, we're going Let into me ask this first, one. what are you hoping to get out of film school? Okay. So, I have to be on an internship this semester, which is why I'm here. Okay. Also what? because, hey, 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 you have good beer, good guys. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so yeah. That, that leads into the next thing. Sure. I had an opportunity, and I was, I was, I was dogging it for uh, opportunities in New York because I'm from the tri-state area out yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was at a lighting company. Yeah. 
and I wanted to get there and so I could get my hands on the gear. Mm-hmm. I chose this internship over that one because instead of getting my hands on the gear, I listened to this show and they were saying exactly what you're saying on Aperture and Indie Mogul is yeah. that, yeah, you can get your hands on the gear, but that doesn't change the fact that you don't know how to tell a story. And so, so that's why I did this internship. The reason I'm going to grad school instead of just jumping into the industry is because I don't, honestly, uh, it's because something that one of the schools said, which is that they would rather spend their money on a guarantee and collaboration rather than a gamble on their own ability. And that meant like, if you're going to spend $150,000 on something, are you going to spend it on the possibility that maybe someone somewhere sees your film that you spent $150,000 on? They were like, you know what? That's not half bad. Let's throw it into Sundance. Mm -hmm. Let's see once it's in Sundance that the right person is going to not go and take a piss break during your movie. So they see it and they say, you know what? We're going to now gamble on you. And then we're going to throw you into a a bullpen. I think that system's dead. I think it's, if it's dead, it's on its way out. Yeah. Right. And I think the reason that I'm continuing grad school, yeah. 100% is because I want to teach. Yeah. But there's a whole new industry of teaching now and online education. I'll tell you right now, people make a lot of money teaching. A lot of money. It, like I know people that were in the world of production, either directors or DPs, that stopped being directors and DPs because the money from teaching was more than their professional career directing or DP. Yeah. Do you know how fucking crazy that is? Yeah. Do you yeah. Know how that... Dude, I, I, it's I, snake oil. It's dude, a snake oil. I, at a certain I, point. I'm yeah. confronted with this consistently because I have opportunities because we have people and I'm always like, the only way I'm ever going to teach anything yeah. is if I've done it. It's the only way I'm ever going to teach anything because half the time, and this we, we've had this conversation about film school stuff where like you see a professor in film school and it's like, what the fuck has this guy ever done? What has this person done? Why am I learning from this person? Like, were you a PA on a fucking set? I gotta be honest, that was, that was the initiative for Indie Mogul was... Why don't we just bring in people and just, I'm just going to straight up say, I don't know how the fuck I'm doing this. I don't know how to do this. Can you show me how to do this? Can you teach me how to do this? And then I can actually learn along with people that have experience doing this thing. That was it from the get go. The question is, is it worth it or not for the grad school? I see what they're saying about choosing to invest in something that is a guarantee, right? I get that. And I think I used to think, I was, the, I was like the golden kid in my UCLA program, and I came out and I was like, I fucking hate everything that I got out of the school. It was a waste of time. And I remember I even said it, too. Like, I was the dude that gave the speech on stage. Like, I was golden child, nominated for all the stuff, and I straight up <laughs> went up there and just said, like, I don't really know what we got out of this program. And I just kind of shat on all the experiences <laughs> that we had there. It was depressing, honestly, because I was unhappy with the experience. I will say that... Now that I've been out of it for a while, you will see the people around you that you were in school with. <clears throat> You're not going to see it for a bunch of years, but eventually they will take positions at high places, right? They will eventually become creative execs at big production companies. They will be able to connect you. And because you you know, schlepped it together on film sets and stuff like that, they will actually be able to pay you back and help you out. And you're not going to see it for like four to five years after you graduate because those people are all going to be depressed. Probably more than half of them are going to quit the film industry altogether. But mm-hmm. the 40, 30% of them that don't quit the film industry, they will grow up. They'll put on big boy pants or big girl pants and eventually be able to help you out. And that's what that network that they're talking about is. And it's still there. As far as actually learning anything, all comes down to you. What do you want to do? And are you, cause all that stuff you can learn outside of school and with the educational industry and all that, 
honestly, you can probably learn it faster and more efficiently online. You're basically paying yeah. for a really fucking expensive fraternity. I hate to say it. No, I 100% agree with that. And I just, when I was, um, last semester, I was sitting there uh, in one of my classes and people were asking me, like, because I, I go online and I watch every week all these different tutorials and all these different uh, channels on YouTube. And that's where I learn. I don't learn in the classroom. I use the classroom as an opportunity to express and, and, and test what I'm learning online. Yeah. And I thought that's what school really is nowadays. And, and, yeah. but, but it's the collaboration. You're paying for your friends. You're paying for your friends. You're paying for a bunch of other people that have claimed at this point in their life that they want to commit their life to this thing. Whether they do it or not, you're not sure. But eh, 30 kids, probably 10 of them will stick. Probably 10 of them will continue this business. And what you're saying about it being more efficient online... Is 100% true. And I will say this as someone that makes educational content online, that when we do those shoots, those shoots are five, six hours long. We condense them into 15 minutes. And what I mean to say by that is that if you sat there with me on set and learned the actual <laughs> stuff, you would learn the same fucking material in 15 minutes if it was cut down and produced and edited and made actually uh, totally understandable in that way. Yeah. So, yes, you actually will learn faster than being there. If you're there on set, don't get me wrong. You're going to be more present. You're going to be more like awake. You're actually going to put your hands on the stuff. That's fine. But literal information, you'll learn it faster. Everything else is online, especially in this day and age. I agree. And I would also inject. So listening to what it is that you guys are saying, you don't necessarily have to pay for your friends. I think you can do a combination of that and be on set. I think it's I think one of the best things that you can do as soon as you're old enough to do it and I get asked this all the time weekly how do I get into the business how can I make this stuff happen as soon as you're old enough to do it go PA. Yeah. If you want to get in the film business go PA. Yeah. Go PA and be a general PA and work your way through because the first thing that that's going to do is shed light on it exactly what it is that you think and whether or not it's true. I said a bad way. That was a really shitty way of saying that. No, no, no. But, you, 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 you fixed a bunch of misconceptions that you had about what a ex- film Exactly. Is. And then yeah, you start to that. learn the shit that you might actually really be interested in. You start to yeah. learn that stuff. And then that same sort of stuff that you were talking about, the people that you met at your school, the people that you work with, the people that you are on these teams with, end up doing that same sort of progression. They end up getting bigger and better and bigger and better and bigger and better. And then if you're a director, um, it's almost like you... Directors are tough. I think schools are good for directors to a certain extent. So hard as a director. Because it's a it's a very it's a very lonely business uh being a director because uh, you're not really interacting with a lot of other directors unless you're in like an environment that traditional schools used to really kind of create. Mm-hmm. Like I went to New York Film Academy years ago and that was the yeah. that was the vibe that they did. Um but I don't know. Like I would like to see a community built online that really helps bring directors together because i think one of the benefits of now having friends that are directors and i music video people from the years of doing music videos and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. we're all kind of bros now yeah. and we all kind of hang out every once in a while but then one guy does something really great and he can't do a job and he throws a job to this person this person can't do it blah, 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 and start sort of growing so it would be i think that's the one thing missing when you're doing youtube you know what I mean? When you're doing the YouTube thing and you're like, oh, cool, now I know how to set up that fucking 1K. You yeah. know what I mean? Now I know how to fucking do this lighting, but I'm still at home, probably still in my box of shorts and my, you know, my Dorito stained t 
t-shirt from that night, learning all these fucking things. Like Absolutely. I'm not physically yeah. doing them. And let me just say too, watching it <clears throat> is not enough. And if you're practicing it and actually putting it into action, that's the most important thing. Yeah. So a lot of people go by like a 50, 50 rule, right? Like spend 50% of your time learning how to do something, 50% of your time doing it. I'm going to flip that and make that a 90, 10 rule. Spend 10% of your time watching stuff and 90% of the time actually doing it. And that's a hard thing for people to do. Wow. But just like I was talking about with gear and like, oh, if only I had this studio or if I had this gear, then I could do these things. People also tend to use educational material as it's procrastination. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when people write screenplays and they say research is procrastination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's someone out there right now that I think just winced or turned over in mm-hmm. bed listening to this. Mm-hmm. They, they think that they're researching and getting themselves into that world for the mm-hmm. film that they want to write. And they spent all this time watching movies from the time. I hate to break it to you, but you're procrastinating. You're procrastinating. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know, it's like if you're trying to get, you can't, you can't stand at one edge of the field and try to think about how you're going to get the ball down and score a goal. You got to move at the same time and figure it out as you're moving. And that's how you actually learn things. I like to think if you want to do something, you got to find a structure that lets you do it. So for some people that's film school. But if you can make that structure yourself, if you can put yourself in a situation where you are actively forced to shoot all the time, where you're actively forced to create or actively forced to write all the time, yep, that's how you'll reach the goal that you want to reach. But if you think it's just like a willpower thing of, I'm going to wake up and try really hard, 20 days in, you're going to give up. You need to find a system that makes you do it, that encourages you to do it. Maybe that's friends. Maybe that's making a film. Maybe that's creating some kind of community. Maybe it's film school. But you can find it outside of film school if you want to. It's up to you at the end of the day. I know that's a, it's kind of, I see the benefits of both. I used to be hardcore no film school. These days, because of those friends that have really grown up and taken positions, I don't know if I can say that anymore. You know, like now I have friends that are working on like the Mandalorian and shit. And I, I can call them up and say, like, can you, can you give me some advice on like how these things get lit? Yeah, I didn't have that before, you know? I really, I really didn't know that that would be something that would pan out, you know? But was that, that the money? I don't know. I really but don't you're know. also talking about, you know, experience. And yeah. you're talking about age and wisdom yeah. and time. And, to, like, and these things that I've talked about in other episodes that we really don't give a lot of respect to these days. Time and energy and wisdom, yeah. you know? And, and being, so it's just longevity. Just literally just sticking with it long enough and seeing how things are going to play out. And the people that you interact with, you never know, man. I've, I've had PAs work on my sets that direct. I've, I've had PAs that hire me. Oh, dude, it happens all the time. Yeah. It, you just, you don't know. And I think it's just being, you give into it. Like yeah. if you're, if you're going to do this thing and you're right, create these situations in which you can challenge yourself and create a good mental system for yourself. Because you're constantly going to be knocked off. You're constantly going to think you have it all figured out. And then suddenly there's no fucking work. And you're not working for fucking like six months. And, and do, not, <clears throat> do not let thinking that you have a lack of experience stop you from doing the thing. Hell yeah. That's another type of procrastination. Hell yeah. Is, <clears throat> I just need to read more books about this. I need to study more about this. No, no, no. Just do the fucking thing. Put your absolute all into it as if this is the final time. Don't let yourself be like, oh, this is just a trial run. We're just practicing skills here no no do the thing full gung-ho and then do it again and do it again and do it again and that's the job and put it out that's terrifying right (laughs) that's terrifying right it's so fucking scary 
to show something that sucks but you, and tell someone this is what I'm born to do. But dude, dude. That sucks. It's the worst <laughs> fucking feeling. You show it? Dude, you show that to a, to, a, to your mom or yeah. a girl or your best. And let's be real. It's most of the time it's your hometown friends at home sure. that you've been telling since you were a kid. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. And then you have to show them your fucking sock puppet show and be like, look, this is where I am in my life. And your friends are fucking some programmer at Amazon or something. And they're like, oh, uh, cool, I guess. Come hang out at my mansion, I guess. Glad to hear you're doing fun stuff with your life. That's the job, though. The job is that. And, and I think that's what weeds most people out right yep yep it's that ability but dude if you do it there's nothing better actually i prefer now to learn from shitty things i really do i learned a hundred times more from something that sucks and something that i do that is terrible than if if i do something that everybody loves because i look at it and they go it was great especially these days where it's just like oh yeah it was great Hang up their fucking phone. And you're just like, yeah, but what about all the things that I was trying out here? Oh, yeah, yeah, it all worked. But when it sucks, everybody has a fucking strong opinion about why it sucks. And you learn more when you go through something that sucks. What's, what's the joke? The joke is like when you succeed, when a movie's great, all the credit goes to the crew. Yeah. And then when a movie sucks, <laughs> it's all blamed on the director. For sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think it's true, right? If there's some, I don't know if this is possible, right? Because I've thought about this problem a lot too. Like, how do you solve that problem? How do you solve that problem with how badly it sucks to show something that's garbage and tell people that this is what you're bored to do? I I, I don't really know how to solve it. But if there was some way to make a system where you feel good for showing people work that you know sucks, I think that's, that's, yeah. 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 We, if we can somehow like, Feel we, proud of our, and we yeah, should. You should feel but, proud of like, yourself for saying, "Hey, you know, not only did I make this thing, but it's a turd, and I showed it to someone. Sure, and I showed it to a lot of people, and feel good about like I did that. I did something that was so freaking hard. The same way that it's like, yeah, I painted this entire fucking house. It was really hard. You should feel good about that, but it's hard to feel good about that. But yeah, because because we're all critics. I always say whenever someone shits on a fucking movie, if they shit on a real movie that's in the theater, I'm like, do you realize the fucking miracle that it took for that piece of shit to even get in front of you? Dude, I have respect for Transformers 4. I'm like, damn, it's so hard to make something and they made it. Yeah, dude. And it got out. That's all I have to say is that it's hard to make things and they made it. (laughs) My respect is right there. And then I'll shit on it afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But first, first respect. Yeah, first I mean, respect. But I, it's an interesting thing. I think part of the problem too is it's also like uh, everyone thinks it's so easy to do, which is another reason yeah. why when you show someone something and it sucks, people. Well, everybody has a lack of respect. I'm gonna turn on a light real quick. I'm gonna get up. Yeah. Everybody's got a lack of respect for. Uh, it's on the table there, Liam. I used to play. Um, I used to be a competitive Super Smash Brothers player. No, played, no shit. I played for money and all this stuff. And the no I bring shit. This up, I played for money and uh, and I, I used to do pretty well at it. I played for the, the, the I played for the, the East Coast team. Was, Did you go I somewhere? Ranked, I was play? on boards. People would make videos. Wow. About me doing this stuff. The reason I bring this up is not some random thing. The reason yeah. I bring this up is because filmmaking is kind of like Super Smash Brothers. Let me tell you why. Because every asshole on the block thinks that they're amazing at it. <laughs> Every asshole thinks that they're so good at it. <laughs> so when you make a movie and someone's looking at you and they're watching your movie, they're like, I could do that. Yeah, sure. That sucks. Sure. 
Yeah, but but dude, it does suck. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're not doing it because of that. You're doing it because you're having fun. You're doing it because you have really good friends. You're doing it because 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 you're in love with the process. There it is. Hey, (laughs) how often do people say that? People must say that all the time. All the time. They give me shit for. And I'll be honest. I came up with that title. It's a great. It's a great title. Well, thanks. It It was such like an afterthought. Yeah. And now you know it's it's kind of a thing, but it's true. It's honest. It's it's honestly like. That's why I started the show. Yeah. I started the show ultimately because I was getting a lot of people writing to, you know, you hit that fucking 10 year mark in your career yeah. and you start to have people that are like, how do you do this? And what do you do? And they were just hunting and looking and, and uh, there's a lot of other outlets out there. A lot of other places like you guys that do very specific stuff. Dude, and all, all I do is I bring on people because I want a free private education yeah. to come and teach me things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's it. and for me, I, I just wanted to, give the listener out there just something else to think about just a little reprieve from that it's anxiety ultimately it's anxiety and so knowing that that little nugget that i got from whether it was david fincher or whoever that was that i got that little quote from i had my anxiety sort of shut down immediately that i had on that set just because of what he said and i was able to walk on the set the next day and just go this is a fucking job I don't care. And it's, it sucks. Everything sucks right now. I get to be doing this. This is my job. The this job is, is not to succeed all the time and to win. The but job the f- is to lose and keep playing. Fuck yeah. There it is. You print that on a shirt too. There it is. <laughs> there it is. But yeah, once you get into that mindset, man, once you get into that mindset, then you can have fun with it. Because I think most of the time with directors, young directors, we're feeling insecure that we're not doing it right. We're feeling insecure that no one else deals with it like this because I'm not as good as they are. Like you know, my favorite thing about Aperture, <clears throat> my favorite thing about Indie Mobile too, is that, dude, I don't have a business degree, and there's a reason. I, to be totally honest, and it comes back to honesty, I think that's the reason why Aperture succeeded. When I, NAB 2013, I walked around and I counted like 90 different lighting companies, 90, nine zero. Jesus. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is a fucked industry. There's no way in hell to do this. And I think when I think about all the people, just the slimy, like suited people that I'm looking at across the table all the time, I realize, oh, if I had had a business degree, that would be me. <laughs> and then I would lose. And I think for me, when I think about it in terms of filmmaking, I just think about not having experience and not doing it the right way. Sure. It's a good thing, dude. Yep. It's a really good thing. And try to hold on to that and uh, try to be confident even when you're not and you're, you feel like you're just effing it all up and messing up and like just try to be like, I, I'm so grateful to have Aperture in my life because it, for me, it's an example of even if you're not trained in something, you can succeed in something if you just try hard and be honest. Um, that's dude, dude, that's great, that's amazing, that's amazing. That's the best advice you can give on this show. <laughs> you don't need the experience. You don't need to be born into the Coppola family and stuff like that because we've already seen those movies. Yeah, and you know what? If you do that same strategy, everyone's doing that strategy. 
if I did the same thing, if I bought a bunch of, like now I'm looking back on it and like, you know, I sit down for those business meetings and they're like, how much of your advertising revenue do you put towards billboards? And I'm like, none. Like magazine ads. I'm like, I've never bought a magazine ad in my life. I don't know. And they ask me these things because they're like, well, we just want to learn how you do it. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I really don't know. We just made some videos online. We talked about some things that we liked. We were like, what do you want to see? You want to see this? Okay, we can try to do that. Like, that's it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Did you know that? Uh, did you know that? I'm seeing an N64 over there. Mm-hmm. Did you know that GoldenEye was made by a team of people that had never made a video game before? No, dude. How inspiring is that? Holy shit! Knowing that GoldenEye was made by a bunch of people that had never made a video game before. Wow! You can, if anyone out there thinks I don't have enough experience or I can't try it or there's no way I'm going to succeed on my first try, dude. That's crazy. That, that explains why that game was so radically different and why that game was because so cool. they were just like, well, we don't know what a video game looks like, so <laughs> let's just make whatever we think sounds cool. This thing sounds kind of cool. We'll make it work this way. I hope that works. Yeah, sure. Okay. Dude. Yeah, man. I, I Sometimes less education's better. Yeah. Right? Less education's better sometimes. You, you have less expectations for yourself, too. It also makes you less scared of failing, dude. Because if you're, like, super trained and educated and stuff like that and you fail it's that much more humiliating but if you're like well i'm doing this is just just for fun and for shits and giggles and i've never done this before but like okay now it's so much easier to have fun So, what did you guys think? Told you. Told you we'd get into it. I uh, thought it was a really cool episode. Um, and I, you know what? I liked your question at the end of the episode. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, that's absolutely stressing me out, and I can't stop thinking about it. Like, what is what, what is stressing you out? I don't know. It's just... I mean, Ted, Ted had a good answer, and... It's like everybody I talk to gives a different answer to that, and I feel like I don't know. It's it's the there's the money, then there's the connections, then there's the whole bullshit of like fuck you. The internet exists, so you don't need to go to a one room to get those connections when you have the internet and you can get any connection. Mm-hmm. But I personally feel like I strive in those confined spaces, and then I also want to for my path that's the way that I have to go anyways Mm -hmm. but I feel like education as a whole and specifically teaching is changing and obviously because we had Ted here and we're talking about that stuff and what Mm -hmm. he's doing and what other people are doing online like I don't learn in a I don't it's it this is these are the fucking things that are wrapping through my head and I know I'm not alone with that shit yeah no it's tough man it's tough I mean you and I've been talking about maybe doing some stuff and I For me, if I'm going to do anything, if I'm going to teach anything, if I'm going to offer anything, then I have to feel like I genuinely have done it. Like I know what the fuck I'm doing. And that's kind of been the issue. That's the the issue that I have. And I've talked about it on prior episodes with other people that do education. 
where it's just like, I, you know, you don't want to be one of these fucking snake oil salesmen. You don't want to be one of these goddamn fucking bullshit emails. And <sighs> money. People can sn- people smell money from desperation. It's really what it comes down to f- f- with me. And I think that... Uh, you know, it's like, it's like the, uh, when I was a kid, the old folks that would stay home and they would be on fucking QVC all the time and like fueling like whatever they needed and the people selling them bullshit knew it was like, buy these Hummels and your fucking family will call you. You know what I mean? Like it's that same kind of bullshit. And I, I just, I think that we've always said on the show, I've always said on the show that I'm a filmmaker first, hundred percent. And for me, it's about making movies. And for me, it's about all that stuff. Now, one of the side effects of being a filmmaker and a film director is that there's a lot of fucking downtime. There's an ass load of downtime. And so this podcast has uh, done a really good job of uh, giving me something healthy to do in my downtime. And not only from the show am I getting access to great people and meeting people and sort of improving my uh, my Rolodex, if you will, Rolodexes don't even exist anymore, improving my contact list, if you will. Um, but it's also been really great meeting younger filmmakers, meeting younger professionals, meeting people that are looking for help um, and learning from them. You know, like a lot of people ask, like, why the fuck do you do the show? You're not making a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, I don't make any money on this fucking show. So why? Why do it? Right. And it's because it continues to keep all of the stuff that is so important about cinema, all the stuff that is so important about this job fresh and current in me because I'm talking to you about it, because I'm talking to guests about it. And I think one of the dangerous things that happens in this business is that we become frozen in time at the point that we entered, where like you come into this thing. Or you find success in this thing, and that's the way. And this is these are the steps that I took. These are the steps that work. That's bullshit because this business. There's no such thing as gravity. There's no such. There's no such thing as 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 like a center point where everybody sort of works their way out of. I haven't found that yet with any aspect of this. I think the closest thing in this business that maybe maybe in the tech. Excuse me. Maybe in the tech side. You know, like if you set up a light, you turn on a light, you set exposure, like that stuff you can you can rely on to be sort of similar, at least for a while until the camera world gets turned on its head. But uh, when it comes to like finding work and uh, advertising your work and getting connections, dude, everybody's different. And when it comes to schools and how you learn and where you learn from, everybody's different. Uh, I... Went to New York Film Academy, and I took out of that experience what I wanted from that experience. I took that same class with people who would say, this sucked. This was sucked. It was a waste of my fucking money. It was a waste of my time. And if, if all I did was hand them a cash and showed up and waited for them to imprint, like download into me what it's like to be a director and what it's like to be a filmmaker, then yeah, it would have sucked. What that, what that experience did for me is that it forced me to leave my town, forced me to go live somewhere else, and it forced me um, to try to figure out how to make the most of this money that I was spending on that, that course, which was a fraction of what most people spend on stuff, but it was still a lot of fucking loot. 
And so I think that in general, people need different things. People need different things to stay motivated. People, some people need structure. Some people hate structure. Some people need mentors. Some people need to figure it out on their own. And uh, there isn't a right or wrong way to do it, dude. So if you're going about the path, the way you want to go about this path, the way you want to go and you want to go back to school and you want to dig into this stuff and that's what you want to do, then you should fucking do that, man. Who the fuck am I to tell you not to do that? Who the fuck is he to tell you not to do that? You know? Yeah. All we're doing is telling you what we went through. Not so that you can do the same thing that we did, but because, because it's all in the little details. So when someone tells you a story, it's in the details. And if you know how to listen to someone's story, and you do a good job of it, if you know how to listen to someone's story, you know when to cherry pick what's important from that. You know where it's like, ah, this weird thing that happened to him, I won't let that happen to me. This is fascinating. This is interesting. And you just pick those little things from it, and then you build your own fucking story. There's no answer. What? It must have been weird for you to be in the room with him asking that. Be in the room with the both of us because you're a fan of this show too and ask that question. Well, yeah, that's... I mean, everybody says this shit, which is that if you're scared of doing something, then that's what you should be doing. Like, if you're not scared about whatever, then you're not you're not doing something that's worth it. And it's like, like coming out here was fucking horrifying. Not because of I was scared of like what the, the issue was, but because I literally left my entire life behind. And I'd never done that, theoretically. But I was like, fuck it, I'm scared, so I know I'm doing something right. And going back after I'm making all these connections out here, that scares the shit out of me now because I'm like, I look what I've look who I've met and the connections I've made in the short time that I've been here. And this is where everybody on the East Coast keeps saying that they're trying to get to, mm-hmm. and I'm leaving it. And I mean, that's a it's a it's a thing, dude. I mean, I did that when I was in New York. So I was in New York, and I talked about this on the show. I was in New York. And uh, my buddies were like, let's get an apartment. Let's stay here. And I went, I'm just going to go back home and produce. Because imagine what I could do back at home with the skills that I have here. So I, I did. I went back at home and I did it. And if I hadn't gone back home, I probably wouldn't be at the same point of my career as I am today. I wouldn't have made as many indie shorts. I wouldn't have worked three times as hard to create my style, which exists right now. And my style probably wouldn't be the same because... I would have been influenced by New York. I would have been influenced by the industry a lot more than I was being a big fish in a small pond and a small fraction of what the industry was. And a fraction, like Boston's film community was trying to catch up with the fact that it had a tax incentive. It was trying to teach itself. Literally, it would open its doors. You were talking, we were talking earlier about uh, getting in the union and how many hours you need in the union. <sighs> Not in Boston. Fucking doors are open. They would just bring you in because they needed fucking bodies to fill the union. So it was a whole different experience coming up there. That being said, though, should I have moved out here four years ago? Yeah. For fucking sure. I should have been out here four years ago. As opposed to how long it took me to get my ass out here. Because now that I'm out here, I'm now starting over as far as like connections are concerned and you've seen, I've been on the fucking straight hustle out here trying to make these connections and make these folks. Um, and it's it's happening. But now when I go through this, I'm like, man, if I was out here four fucking years ago. Really? Because I haven't seen any of that stress. 
You haven't seen that, Stress? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, every day I walk in here, you're <laughs> screaming. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's a joke in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking work, man. So, I don't know, dude. There isn't a right answer to to it. You know, you could go back and, and suddenly find the path that is amazing. You could not go back and you can set you you're super fucking ambitious man you've been doing on weekends you're doing uh films right you've been on sets for all of weekends right yeah um i've talked about this off the show but my buddy um mitch has been out here uh for a year now and literally he because he went to temple day of a study away program and when he came out here i told him i was like yeah i'll see you in a year and I kept that promise, came out here, and I found a, well, my roommate found a really nice place, and we all moved in together, and then there was a spot in the same house, and he wanted it, so Mitch wanted it, so he moved in, and now we're all, he got me, basically as a thank you, he got me on an AFI set. I said hi to the right people who got me on the next mm-hmm. AFI set that got me on to the next one, and now I've got three under my belt and three lined up in the next month, so. Smart, making you most of your time. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, cool, I've got all these AFI producers, directors, cinematographers that are all going to be working in L.A. in the next six months to a year, and I'm saying goodbye, and they're all looking at me like, why the fuck are you leaving? Mm-hmm. And that's... That's going to be a tough... It's going to be a tough call. Yeah. But... I'll fucking die if I stay here, though, because there are people back east that will kill me if I don't come back. <laughs> yeah, but you know, dude, both sides are going to be difficult. But I will say this: there isn't a right, there isn't a wrong decision that you're going to make. You're just going to make a decision for you that works for you at that moment. And as like lame as that is to say, and as as like unhelpful as that is to say, it's the truth of it. The truth is that you'll make a call, and you'll have to live with that fucking call one way or the other. Um, and really, I would make the call that makes me the most happy and has the opportunity for the most happiness in the future would be the call that I would make. And I would say, don't waste your time, which you haven't. And I would say, you know, if you decide to go down a certain path and commit, put your head down and fucking work at it and then stick your head up in a year and go, is this, was this the right decision? And then, and then assess it and then go and continue to do so. You know what I mean? Or coronavirus could kill me and then I don't have to worry about any of this. Fucking coronavirus. Fucking coronavirus. Ugh. I just wanted to make this a topical moment so yeah. I can, yeah, if I listen to this in 20 years, I'll be like, oh, right, that was a thing that happened. Yeah. Let's have another fucking thing that just finds a way to get us not paid. How about that? Another reason for our jobs to be fucking canceled. You know, I was up for a gig. I was up for a gig in fucking Mexico. It would have been sweet. It fly me out and do all that shit. Coronavirus. It's hard enough to get fucking work as it is. Coronavirus. You're killing me. Anyway, literally killing other people, but killing my finances. Piece of shit. All right, I think it's a good place to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good place to end the show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, and as always, follow us on Instagram. Follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram. Follow the podcast and Love the Process Pod on Instagram. Leave me some comments there. Or our subreddit. What's our subreddit? 
r slash in love with the process you've been running that how's it going i have been you know what honestly i've been i've been talking with some cool people there have been some in there and then uh other times it's an echo chamber and i'm i'm look i will make jokes right to me <laughs> and no one else has to fucking listen that's fine i'll just keep posting back at me it's great i think you should go on there and if you guys are, are here, here's something if you guys are looking, if you guys are interested in internships, if you guys are interested in any of that, go there and talk to Liam about it. Because he just did a, he did a good job getting his ass on this show. I don't know how you got, you got your ass on my show, but you're on my show. I just, I found somebody who sounded like they were having a tough time. <laughs> Piece of shit. All right. That's it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening, everybody. And I will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>